This episode is supported by Dove. Over half of the girls around the world suffer from low self-esteem, which causes them to opt out of important life activities and puts their health at risk. The Dove Self-Esteem Project is the world's largest provider of self-esteem education and teaches the next generation to feel comfortable in their own skin by working with schools and parents. Dove has created and uses educational evidence-based resources that are designed to help young girls and boys reach their full potential. They cover topics like bullying and social media to help young people build a positive relationship with the way they look. You can get these printable resources to help increase self-esteem in the young people in your life at dove.ca slash self-esteem. But Alex. Yeah, Shane? Let's begin this episode. Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. The babies are in bed, the cat is in her room, and we are so glad that you could join us for happy hour on this Family Treat Podcast, episode 72. Will we ever change that intro? I, I feel like it could be a little more concise, a little snappier, but, but it I goes, like it. It goes with the opening little jazz theme. It does go with the jazz theme. It's just the words are weird. I'm, but a, little, we, I'm a little sentimental for it, though, yeah, to we, it. We developed it organically. Yeah, no, it feels good. And we have a great episode coming up tonight. An organic guest, you an, might say. An organic guest, as in like a friend guest. Yeah, it came to us naturally. Like we didn't <laughs> have to bust our butts for it. But actually, that's not true. No, because it's not true. Although she is a friend, she is a television professional. A popular and we, friend. Popular friend. And when you're dealing with a professional television popular person, you need to go through their channels. So it wasn't as easy as, yo, can you just do this for us? <laughs> no. Our first guest tonight is Danielle Graham. She's a host from eTalk, which is where you'll recognize her. She always does the Oscars. She is fantastic at her job. She's a mom of two little girls, very close in age to ours. And like Shane said, she is our friend. So with Danielle, we talk motherhood, birth stories. She's got a heck of a doozy for us. And we talk about quarantine life. And following Danielle, we have Sergey Urban. You might know him as the Dad Lab. So he's a father of two and he dedicates his time to creating fun science-based activities for your kids to do. And he puts it all on Instagram. He's an author. He's all over the place. And these activities are amazing. And they're very simple to do. Much yeah. like, what's the other woman we had who was like this? Busy Toddler. Busy Toddler. So he's like the male version of Busy Toddler. Mm-hmm. He has a bit of an accent, which threw me for a loop at oh, some time. Russian. Russian, yes. So some words he said I misinterpreted. (laughs) And what was the thing about a kidney? Oh, body. Oh, he was saying body. Shane thought he was saying buddy at one point. And Shane kept referring to the thing as a a buddy. Well, because, yeah, he was saying a game to play (laughs) is to hide an organ from a body. No. (laughs) Wait, this sounds more dubious. No. So uh, you'll hear it in the interview, but he talks about having this body, like a scientific model, and, you know, with all the organs so that your kids can learn their organs and what goes inside their body. But you were calling it a buddy, and you're talking about removing your buddy's kidney. I thought he was saying organ buddy. I was like, yeah, everyone needs an organ buddy. He's like, ha ha, yes. So that was, you know, there was a little bit of a language barrier there, which I felt a little bit silly for once I was in the editing room and I realized what he was actually saying. But great interview, great account to follow, especially most of us are still in quarantine. So we're looking Mm -hmm. for those little fun things to do that aren't too difficult to put together. Absolutely. But Shane... Let's do a little toast. Episode 72, babe. I'm excited for this one. This is like the Sergey Urban of drinks right now. And what I mean is super fancy, minimal effort. Oh, my God. So this is a seed lip, oh. maple, Coke, and what, what, what okay. variant is this? 
So I got Seedlip Spice 94 and I got Maple oh, Diet man. Coke, which is a specialty. So I have to say, so Shane and I tried this Maple Diet Coke with whiskey before and it was fine. However, the Seedlip goes so, it, it tastes like a cocktail now. Oh, this is great. Yeah, this is, uh, we're putting this one in the Hall of Fame. Holy crap. Okay, this one, this that so carrot easy. mixture and uh, the coconut. Yeah, Coconella, is it called? Yeah, mm-hmm. but if you can get your hands on Maple Diet Coke, throw it in with some Seedlip Spice this is 94. Diet Coke too? I think it's... I, I, I don't think it's Diet. No, the Maple Coke. So if you can get your hands on Maple Coke, it comes in the glass bottles. Throw in some Seedlip 94. This is a very special drink. This is beautiful. It really is good, eh? Yeah. Like it tastes better than it does with the whiskey. Okay, Alex, we get it. You'd like it. No, but it looks cool in the glass. Me or the right? drink. Pick one. <laughs> You only get to be with one. Okay, so I want to talk about words. Ah. Now, you know, we do a podcast. We're always speaking. And sometimes it comes to my attention words that I'm saying incorrectly. You mm-hmm. know, and some of these words I know. And I'm like, oop, shouldn't have said that. And some of these words I don't know. Yeah. So I was cruising the web. And I saw <laughs> someone saying, oh, I was, I, on this podcast I listened to, someone said the word lame. And... I was like, I wonder if they're talking about our podcast because lame is a word that I've been using lately. So it, it kind of felt like someone was speaking to me. It's like when someone's like, someone's been farting in the living room and you're like, oh, geez, I've been <laughs> farting in the living room. I wonder, I wonder if they're talking about me. And then you kind of go to talk to that person. And they're like, yeah, you are the person farting. And it's like, ooh, I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't have done that. So lame is a word I've been using. I've been using it for years and years um i had no clue there was a negative connotation to it that it it was disparaging or derogatory term for people who are disabled i I didn't know i was using ableist language these are things that i want to avoid and you know in the past if i had found out that i was using the word lame and someone called me out in a roundabout way I, i might get defensive but nowadays i try to just learn from it and and instead as hard as it is for me to say i say thank you for telling me and i I mean it because i do not want to make anyone feel bad out there yeah and you know my my stepmom works with she's retired now but for her entire career she worked with disabled students and i hadn't been made aware of this so i'm wondering if many others listening use the word lame without even realizing well you know when so here's the thing i know of that definition for some reason though and i'm embarrassed by this for some reason i thought that the two ways that you could use lame were totally separate from each other and maybe that's just because i used it a lot growing up like Mm -hmm. it was so regular and has been so regular until literally days ago for me to say ah that's so lame if something was uncooler like you call me lame for being cheesy yeah i thought hey that's the perfect way to describe alex (laughs) but it's obviously not so we don't want to be using that kind of language we you know we want to we want to improve we always want to improve and i think that's the basis it's like we're gonna stumble we're probably gonna say something wrong again eventually without realizing but it's about learning so yeah and the other day we were we were recording a podcast for Date Night, mm-hmm. which is uh, turned out to be a very popular episode yeah. for us. Or this Date Night series we've been we've been adding to our weeks, and I talked about that my butt sweats like crazy because, long story <laughs> short, I shave I shaved my butt hair once, and my butt started sweating a lot. 
it's not the point of the story. I just want to listen to date night. <laughs> yeah, listen to to date night. But then I'm thinking, great on every podcast I listen to, they're saying crazy all the time. In fact, I work at a place uh, mm-hmm. that celebrates Bell. Let's talk. And I saw a post, and they were like, hey. I've had a crazy week. Sorry, I haven't been posting about Bell. Let's talk, but everyone contribute. So they even use it in the context of that. But it seems like that's something that slips through the the cracks. And even I have teacher friends who I've noticed on Instagram, mm-hmm. their schools still celebrate crazy hair day. But what is your thought in school? Like that language, is it, do you think, when is it going to die out? Will it ever die out? Like something like a crazy hair day. See, Something like that, I think, is on the way out already. If it's controlled by the staff and the adults in charge who are trying to phase out language that they've been using for decades sometimes, you know, like everybody's really kind of just learning and just being extra conscious of this now. So they're trying to phase that out. But with kids, kids still say terrible words that they know they shouldn't. And I think... But kids are different because... I think it's an act of rebellion for them. Yeah, but if the teacher is saying it, maybe it'll actually oddly make them not want to say it. But yeah, I think it definitely if the teacher is saying it, that makes it seem okay. Mm -hmm. And like I was in this podcast even, I was saying, oh, I felt stupid for doing something. But even that, it's ableist, right? Uh, Is it? I don't know. Not ableist. It would be... um, I I don't know what the word would be, but it's definitely shining a negative light on people with exceptionalities and it makes me wonder is date night such a popular segment because i'm using all this profane language <laughs> I mean, lame and stupid well you never know okay yeah I would. uncool uncool is what i will use for lame mm-hmm. i shouldn't be worried about cheesy. being uncool. cheesy can be used also so alex you are very cheesy shane you're uncool, very Mom. uncool i'm cool you're cool you don't think i'm cool <laughs> What? You're cool to a degree, Shane. You're very cool in certain ways and you're very uncool in other ways. What's a way I'm uncool? Well, you getting upset about you possibly being uncool is very uncool. What's cool about me? <laughs> yeah, besides, besides demanding to be told you're cool. <laughs> I wonder if cool people ever do that. Okay. Um, date night review. We talked about it. It's uh, We've been doing these. What, do you, what have you been thinking of it so I far? love date night i love it because it does like i've said before it gives me a chance to kind of unwind and then you and i are sitting there we're reminiscing about times that have passed and then we get into our actual date night so what what date night is it's a special episode we do it every wednesday is when we record it we upload it on thursdays and we have a bottle of wine we talk about that wine for maybe four to five minutes we try to like predict the tasting notes and then we get into personal fun stories about her life as i'm the interviewer of alex asking her somewhat fun questions and we think it's a good time so check that out if you're interested but yeah it has been pretty good oh it's been a blast it's been so much fun it has us laughing like and it has us giggling like schoolgirls before we get into our day and it's it's honestly been such a joy for me to record so I'm really, I'm really appreciating hearing the positive feedback. Some people are, you know, messaging me, telling me that they're having a great time listening to it. And it really does make my day to hear that. Like giggling like school people. But I do, 
I do agree with the sentiment <laughs> you, you said there. Uh, but okay. And th- that is a night too. And again, I don't want to get into naughty talk here, but that is a night that typically is associated with intimacy too. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. And don't worry, Alex, you're holding your lips together. I'll edit it if you're very <laughs> upset. Okay. So just listen. I have a question. So yes. date night and intimacy are attached. That's one night a week. Would you rather have intimacy seven nights a week or one night a week if you could only decide? Keep in mind, this could be like a fantasy island situation where you're, or a Twilight Zone thing where careful what you wish for. So you can only do one or the other. What do you think is better? I think probably, well, obviously the best would be somewhere in the middle there. I know. But I I might have to say seven days a week. that, That would end up being incredibly stressful. No, because then it's just a part of your routine and you don't even notice it. And it's just but something that you like to do. you want it to, to be a routine? In a way, yeah. Not where it feels like you're doing a chore, but just like in a way that, you know, is a nice way to unwind or something and just be close with your spouse or your partner. What if you're really tired? Well, then you... But you have to do it because you're obligated to Yeah, but to before do it. you're tired. That's the thing. It's like not something that needs to happen. I think married couples get in this rut of, not a rut, but get in the habit of associating intimacy with nighttime and with bedtime and things like that and it doesn't have to be that and I think that it can be you know add spontaneity to like think about the lives we're living right now I mean we are are married people in a quarantine we cannot go anywhere we have two children our days are planned out from 6 a.m until 11 p.m There is no spontaneity, but this is a way that married couples that are in our situation could add that to their lives. And I think, you know, add something (laughs) nice to their day, honestly, that they didn't even think that they'd enjoy. Okay. I challenge you all listening seven days in a row. Let's see if you can do it. (laughs) Check in. Yeah. Okay. Let let us know if this has happened and uh, how it went. Okay. So... Editing trust. We talked about this. We talked about trust in every capacity last mm-hmm. episode. And this week you broke my trust yet again. And Tonight. You know, yes. Okay. We've been going viral on TikTok lately <laughs> and reels on Instagram. If you follow Alex on TikTok, you're in for a treat. And if you, I'm sure you do follow her on Instagram, check out her reels. I've been editing these comedic bits. And uh, I, I told her, hey, just trust me with the edit. I'll give it to you. I'll edit it fairly quickly. I'll kick it back. And then you don't have to worry about the edit, which previously, anytime you did video work, you had to do the editing, Mm -hmm. took a little long, stressed you out, wore you out a little bit. And your happiness was tied into the success of the video too much. Because if the effort wasn't worth the the results, you'd be like totally dissuaded from ever doing it again. So this way, it's just like you got to be along for the ride and let Shaney boy take the wheel. But I give you the edit. I'm like, here you go, honey. You're like, this is so good. Thank you. And it's almost patronizing. So I'm like, you're, you're, you're patting me on the back. You're like, this is so good. It was so good. I know, but I couldn't tell. So it was 32 seconds long. We put the kids to bed. I go, how's the video doing? It went up. You go, pretty well. I go, oh, I watch it. What? It's shorter. Certain scenes have been re-edited. I'm like, no, this couldn't be. We just had a conversation about trust. She wouldn't break my trust. Sure enough. You sneakily re-edited the video. I wasn't trying to be sneaky. I only had 30 seconds to fit it in Tell on reels. Me. And you had just been sitting in there. You were up for a long time with Lou. I just didn't want you to have to worry about it. It takes me it. two seconds. And you did a hack 
job on that re-edit. Well, I didn't want you to worry about it. And I thought I was doing you a favor. Then you're like, well, you can take it down. I'm like, Alex, <laughs> it's currently going viral online. It's got like 38 comments in 10 minutes. I'm not taking it down. Then you start again and it might not catch the algorithm. And my bosses, the boss, Randall, follows you on Instagram Reels. And that my, my reputation's on the line. Well, what, are you going to get fired now? Maybe. Well, I'm sorry if it comes down to that. I will give you a massage every day for a week. And I also have to clarify one thing. Yes, I'd say there is a little virality on Reels. However, on TikTok, things aren't catching so hot. I don't know what the algorithm is on TikTok, but this current video that is slaughtering on Instagram has only five views on TikTok. And I'm proud of every one of those views. And my previous one has 18 views. So, you know, a bit of a slump, but... Who knows? It might catch on. Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> okay, transitioning over to Clubhouse. We are joining every social media platform, but obviously we're late to the game on TikTok. People were telling us for years to get on TikTok, and we didn't. And now all these other people are stars, and we're just uncool. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we're we are very uncool. uncool Alex's and Shane's. And uh, but we're trying to get on something right before it takes off. It's this platform called Clubhouse. It's audio only. So you're listening to a podcast. You might be interested in it. Follow us. It's I don't know how to describe it, but people have all these weird rooms. They're not yeah. weird. They're just rooms. But famous people will just be talking in it. I was in a room the other night with four famous rappers and there was like four of them were talking and 18 people were listening. And it was mm -hmm. like. 21 like, Savage and it's like it, getting in on private conversation and it it's awesome mm -hmm. and it's, it's at the very early stages so like uh, Kevin Hart just went into a room the other day and Elon Musk and they're Tiffany Haddish is all over it yeah they're they're giving out all these trade secrets and hilarious stories but it's just to you and like 50 to 2,000 people mm -hmm. in a room it, it feels so intimate and it's, I don't know, comforting in a way. No, it's so cool. So I've been trying to browse the app, trying to get familiar with it. It's like we both made family tree oriented pro profiles so that, you know, we could go viral. <laughs> no, because <laughs> our goal on the app is to create our own club room where we can then host conversations about same things we do here, like parenting, kids, marriage, relationships, life, whatever, and just kind of facilitate and mediate those kinds of conversations with other people and it would be so cool like that would be so much fun but then it's awesome because i was going through and you can type in your interests and things so i got accepted as a member today to two different uh learning how to speak spanish clubs that's awesome yeah that's very cool so you can just pop in this room with this person who is willing to teach other people spanish and they will work on your language with you it's so cool it used to be invite only so it had that facebook thing when it first came out right where it was like you had to be in university and then they opened it up well right now they're in the process of opening it up so back in september when i was luckily invited to this to join this which i didn't it only had 740 people now it has six million people which is still in the very mm -hmm. early phases infancy yeah yeah i'm not a stockholder or anything i'm, I'm just excited so help us be popular <laughs> we're desperate yeah help us be popular get on there join our club when we are allowed to make it because they have to approve everything 
But yeah, Shay and I are just going to host and facilitate parenting discussions. We'll share tips, stories, advice. I think it'll be a really great place to find that sense of community and to actually engage in, you know, a more personal way than just sitting and typing at your keyboard. Yeah. Give us an example of a tip that will be shared, Alex. Oh, <laughs> we could talk <laughs> We could talk about potty training Lucy and how the good things, you know, that we're doing with that and the ways Give that we're failing. Give me one tip. Come on. One tip? Yeah. I got a tip ready. I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but. Okay. One tip about potty training or in general? Anything. What's your tip? Okay. We just started putting Lou to bed out of nowhere like 45 minutes earlier. Yeah. And she still wakes up at the same time. So we have 45 extra minutes in the day now. It's beautiful. It's we we take her up to bed like we go upstairs Lucy and Betty for that matter Betty's waking up the same time too but we go upstairs with the girls at 6 15 p.m and then we come downstairs and we eat our dinner and it's like beautiful I, I didn't think it would work but Lou kind of just plays quietly in her crib for a little longer falls drifts off to sleep she's having a blast Betty I don't know what she's doing that's yeah, kind of like your baby sleep. Yeah. My baby. Well, you, in this phase, it's like <laughs> no, you're know, looking after her more than I am. That's all I have. Do you have anything else no, to add? that's a fantastic tip. Another tip is I don't have any for it. Okay, so right I'll now. be moderating these rooms. <laughs> Alex is kind of like my comedic sidekick. You know, she may not know much, but she adds a lot to the entertainment value. I'm your Sancho Panza. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's a character. Oh, you're my Sancho Panza. Okay. <laughs> Now let's get to the interview. But okay, so that that's it for my intro. Unless you have anything else to say, no, let's do it. <laughs> you don't even know what we're doing, Alex. Going to the interview. No, Sorry. we're going to Stop. tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Hello Bello. Being a parent is hard, like really hard. So when you go to get diapers to prevent the next eventual blowout, finding a diaper that's absorbent and soft without spending a fortune shouldn't be just as tough. And finding one that's stylish used to be impossible. <laughs> used to be. Co-founded by Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, Hello Bello is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. Their diaper bundling service lets you choose from over 20 fun different rotating designs, and each bundle comes with seven packs of diapers four packs of plant-based wipes, and even one full-sized product freebie with your first order. Plus, you get 15% off any add-ons like the bubble bath, the wipes, diaper rash, cream, detangler. Now, 15% seems like great savings. It is great savings. But wait till the end of the promo. It gets even better. <laughs> so to get Hello Bellows super soft, super absorbent, and super affordable diapers delivered right to your door, go to hellobello.ca and use the promo code THISFAMILYTREE30 for 30% off your first diaper bundle order. Told you. That's huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. Now, in case you think you're dreaming, I'll say it again. That's hellobello.ca, promo code thisfamilytree30 to start bundling with 30% off your first order. Don't forget, that's hellobello.ca, promo code thisfamilytree30. The promo is applicable to Canadians only. But we are also supported by... My Breast Friend. My Breast Friend is the number one choice of nursing pillow for millions of parents around the world who nurse their babies. And breast is definitely spelled B-R-E-A-S-T, correct? 
No, Shane. It is B-R-E-S-T for this product. Ah. <laughs> so for more than 25 years, my breast friend's patented wraparound design has supported people in over 40 countries and thousands of birthing hospitals to support successful nursing. Lactation consultants around the world credit the pillow for helping parents achieve longer and more comfortable feeding cycles than they thought possible. And you know what? I'm a parent and I'm one of those people who was chilling with a my breast friend. You were. And do you know why we were chilling with a my breast friend? Was it because of Daniel Graham? Yes, because of our guest today who introduced us to it. That was one of the products that she gave us when we were preparing for the birth of our first baby. And then we had to get our own. It's very apropos. I know. So you can purchase My Breast Friend online at buybuybaby.com, target.com, walmart.com, babylist.com, and amazon.com. It's simply the best, most supportive choice for successful breastfeeding. Simply the breast, My Breast Friend. Now let's get to our interview with Danielle Graham. Is it okay if we record video on this? That's why I did my hair. Okay, good. I was going to say, you look good for uh, hanging out at the cottage, being a mom too. (laughs) I had a feeling you knew, but... (laughs) No, no, no. This is not how I look, ever. No, that's all right. And you know what? Speaking of the bottoms, like I have pajama bottoms on. I'm going for a run after, which is why I have my running shirt. And I have a, a diaper on for after because I can't run without peeing yet. So I'm mm. wearing a I diaper. Didn't know that. You suggested it. Oh, I was that's... kidding. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, like you're just rocking the depends from. I, yeah, I have post- them left over. So yeah. I'm like, it, it would slow me down on my runs. So and Shane was like, oh, just wear a diaper and go for it. So I was like, nah, maybe I will. But you know, some people wear them in casinos when they don't want to leave slot machines. It's yeah. There. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad I can relate to them finally. But mm-hmm. Danielle, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We're so happy to have you on. And, you know, of course, we know you personally as a friend. Our listeners know you as a TV personality, as a host. But who is Danielle Graham to Danielle Graham? Whoa. Who am I to me? Well, that's obviously changed a lot uh, in the last probably 10 years. I think in my early 20s, the identity I had was probably like a working person. That was like Mm -hmm. my whole thing. That was the center of, of all of my focus was work and achievements at work and progressing and getting better. And now I think so much of that has been balanced out, still a very important part of my life, but I'm a mom. Like that's, that's kind of the, the first thing I would say, if people said, tell me about yourself, Mm -hmm. which is kind of what you're doing. I would say, well, I'm a mom of two amazing little girls and a wife to an awesome husband and I'm a real family person. And I think um, it was a necessary shift for me, for sure, to not be so focused on just one aspect of my life to band and Mm. to to welcome, you know, a family of my own. I come from a really great family. We're really, really Mm. tight. I know like you guys are too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to create that for myself and for us has just been the best. So, so was that a supernatural transition being from that, you know, career focus, very glam, I have to say, and you have not lost that, but making that switch to a family focused mom? I can't even begin to tell you, maybe I did tell you a while ago when I had, mm-hmm. when I first had B, the shift for me. I was not prepared. First yeah. of all, I read nothing, Googled nothing. I was <laughs> of the thinking when with children, bigger morons have done it with less. Yes. How yeah. hard could it be? Yeah, yes. that's what we thought. The best parenting mm-hmm. advice ever to calm you. Yeah. 
I remember actually I was really pregnant with B, like really a couple of days away from giving birth. And Randall and I walked up to this local patio place. Remember going to patios and having a drink? <laughs> and I said to him, like I was waddling, like so pregnant. I said, we can still do this when we have the baby. Like we'll just bring the baby. And I remember the pitch of his voice was like, yeah, babe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. And then B came and my life came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as though it was, oh, it kind of felt a little different. I mean, this person stopped and this person began. And mm -hmm. it was really hard. I had a really hard time with it. I really struggled with Matt leave the first time. I felt really lonely and isolated. Mm -hmm. Funny saying that now that we're actually legitimately oh, isolated. Lonely, yeah. uh, I missed so much of what... I had been doing for so long. I had a hard time with it. But then it just became life and it became normal and it became wonderful. It wasn't it wasn't without its challenges, of course, but it just became where I wanted to be and what I wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. Like it, it just it eventually got there. The immediate shock was like nothing I was prepared for. Yeah. At all. The transition from one to two was that much different <laughs> for you? Because for me, one kid was way easier than I thought it was going to be. And then two was much harder. And I think I think the reason is with the first, Lucy, Alex was taking care of the majority of stuff. Unbeknownst to me, it wasn't even really known because I was always at work. Mm -hmm. I would come home, home, so late. Lucy would be in bed, yeah. and then I would have the fun stuff on the weekends. With two, one parent always has to be manning the other child, especially if you don't have daycare, which we don't. Because it was such an enormous life change, kid one, kid two just meant more stuff mm -hmm. like i was already tired i was already <laughs> used to broken sleep and having literally zero time to myself i was mm -hmm. used to that in some ways i guess when i think back though when we we had just be we would trade off a lot mm -hmm. you know when right. you have one hey can you take the kid i need 15 minutes can you watch her i just need this and someone was always kind of hands-on and one person kind of got a little bit of a break but for me i guess it just doesn't feel that different. I don't know. When I go back to work, I'm sure that will change. I yeah. think the advantage of having Randall home, Shane, like you have the, you know, you're home now working, but, you know, present in the home for those things that need a little assistance. And I have that support too. If, if I didn't, if he was out of the house and it was just me and the two of them, I mean, no, it would be really like, no way. But I don't, I don't know. I think one zero to one was way harder than one to two. Mm -hmm. I actually, when Marigold was first born, she was, she was, and still is like the sweetest, easiest, most delicious baby. I would have had a third. I was like, let's just go. <laughs> we were saying that. That was like oh. us with uh, Betty. She's so much more easygoing yeah. than uh, Lucy. Yeah. No, we said the exact same thing. And I don't know if it's because we know what to expect whereas we didn't the first time and it's like you said you didn't read look stuff up mm. i did that but i still postpartum hit me like a sack of potatoes like i wasn't expecting that nobody mentioned that and with the second one knowing all that and kind of setting the bar like so so low like it was impossible <laughs> to go lower than the bar was set so we had a great time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, yesterday, actually, I was in the kitchen and it's a straight line to the living room so I can see the kids. And I said to B, who's four and a half, can you keep your eye on your sister? I'm obviously watching. <laughs> right, I'm watching. And then B's, you know, watching a show or whatever. And I come in, I'm like, why is the baby, she got green and red and stuff all over her mouth and her shirt. And what's on the carpet? She'd eaten an entire bowl of goldfish. And I was like, well, the baby, we had to get yeah, the baby had a whole bowl of 
Like the crackers, right? Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the crackers. I picked her up and a goldfish like fell either out of her shirt or from under her bum. I don't know. So, you know. <laughs> they are me. delicious. I've developed a goldfish. Well, we have bunny crackers. Same same thing, though. And I've developed an addiction to those crackers. So, Yeah, they're amazing. So it's stuff like that that kind of, you know. Sometimes slips through the cracks. And what what about Randall? Is he, is he the same as me where the second kid hit harder? Or was it just the, the same with both children? The way he felt? It destroyed Randall. Yeah. It yeah, I think Randall. for the man, it is a bit of a shock. Because it's like, oh, now I know what my, my partner felt when, when with just the one. Because with the first child, typically, in not all cases, but typically it is the woman who's the primary care, caregiver going through all the hell. Randall, I, I wrote an article about it. And I wrote my version of events mm -hmm. about how I felt the transition was. And we were talking about it at dinner. I told him what I was going to share on our website. And uh, then he started telling me his stuff. I'm like, what? You see it that way? So then, you know, he wrote his version of yeah. events and how things felt to him. And he shared it <laughs> and described it as this game of Botaoshi. You have to look it up to understand what Botaoshi looks like. Basically, it is the most insane. I don't even know what the game is. It's a sporting event of some kind where people jump on top of people and they're climbing a pole and then someone else is jumping off of the top. And so now when we're in the thick of it with the two kids and it's like yeah. I, it's chaos here, we'll just yell out, Botaoshi! You're in a Botaoshi! <laughs> it's funny. He, he texted me that. He's like, uh, he was asking me oh, how it was going whatever. And then he's like, oh, for me, it's like a, it's like Botaoshi. <laughs> And I was like, okay, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to look it up because I'm trying to write a post of what it's like myself, and I didn't want to read his and steal all of his gold nuggets until I had written mine. But I had no yes. effing idea of what he was talking about. But yeah, now I, li I like that he slips that in though. Like it's just a yeah, common, it's just a common thing. thing. It's a term. But that's a, but it is. I saw a photo that he posted of what that game is, or you posted it, and without knowing the rules or anything, that is very much how I feel. Just mm -hmm. that image is, it so perfectly, I think, encapsulates life with two kids. Yeah, well, it's got speed, it's got some kind of injury, Definitely. it's got people being jumped on, yelling. it's got it's chaotic, it's yelling, nobody knows what's happening, and then, <laughs> and then it ends, and that's kind of the <laughs> way that days go with kids. Well, for us anyway. speaking of working with Randall, like you have the website, obviously the Family Gram, it's an amazing, uh, project side oh, yeah. gig uh, you do it very well but in when a pandemic hits and you're working from home you're at the cottage presumably your cottage wi-fi is just as shit as ours is at uh, when we go to the cottage and that adds a layer of stress but you're there pretty much full time with all this work and the two kids there do you ever mm -hmm. wonder is this side gig worth it because <laughs> i'm <laughs> wondering that i'm wondering this all the time i mean there are times, yeah, sometimes. And to be honest, before we had Marigold, I was pretty consistent mm -hmm. in being able to. Sorry, I got a weird error message here. Let me pick that back up. Please yeah, support. yeah, good timing with as we're talking about cottage Wi Fi. Yeah. Before we had Marigold, I was pretty consistent with being able to post for the site every week. It was a Thursday thing. I had a content calendar kind of lined up and I knew what I wanted to do. And then it's just like, well, there's just no way. Yeah, I just mm -hmm. can't do that. And then I feel like I have things I want to share and I have ideas and ways you want to engage. Like I know you guys do as well with this yeah. family tree. And then 
I'm like, well, how am I going to take all the photos for that? And when am I going to have the time to do all that? So I plug away at it as best I can, a hundred percent. And I love it. And then when I do get the chance to to share something that I think is, you know, that I'm really connect with and, that, and then other people connect with it too. I'm like, oh man, now I just need to get up at five in the morning and <laughs> yeah. carve out the time yeah, and just do it then. Cause that's the only time that it could really be done. Cause by the time the kids go to bed, I'm exhausted and no, I have no like inspiration me. and nothing. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's gotta be that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love it. I really, really mm-hmm. love it. And I do get so much out of it and it is so rewarding and it's really fun and it's totally different than anything I've done before. I just need to find more time. <laughs> yeah, for us, it definitely does feel like a roller coaster mm-hmm. of highs and lows. But sometimes we'll get caught in the lows for a little too long. And it's like all we're fighting about is the side project. And it's yeah. like, oh, if we didn't have this, would we never <laughs> argue? Would our lives just be perfect? And, you know, we live together. We work together. We, we had to carve out a night where we just didn't think about side gigs or our mm-hmm. traditional jobs and just have fun. What do you and Randall do for fun or those moments? Like, is there a date night scheduled? And what does that look like? Okay. First of all, you guys have totally inspired me with your Wednesday date night. I love it. (laughs) Honestly, because last week on Friday, I was totally inspired by you. I made pizza for dinner because normally we'd order pizza on Friday nights, but we can't. We literally live in the middle of nowhere. And I have not ordered, I have not ordered food in almost a year. That's wow. amazing. Good for you. Yeah. That's so much money saved. Well, when we go home to Toronto for whenever we do for appointments or whatever, mm-hmm. we do not cook a single thing. Everything comes from taking. Oh, everything I bet. comes from Understandable. Takeout. Yeah. But up here, we cook everything. So mm-hmm. I made pizza. And then instead of sitting at the kitchen table, we sat at the bar. Ooh. Like at the. Nice. Make it feel like you're out. Yeah. It felt like a date. And I was like, hey, let's have some date night. So we had some wine and. We sat at the bar and it, it was a different space. We had a different view. That's <laughs> the best. Talked. And it was actually it was really nice. Brandon had a deadly hangover from playing poker the night before. Oh, yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah. He like, I mean, a bad one. But he, he rallied and we had a really nice date. So I know I know you guys are game people. And Shane and I would usually just like we'd eat a really nice meal on date night and then we'd sit back and run to movie. But now we're trying to get more gamey. So we bought Scrabble and we bought Jenga. What What's a good two person game? Like you guys are the people to ask. OK, well, Randall, for our first date, Randall invited me to a Connect Four tournament. Oh, tournament. I love Connect Four. <laughs> we got to get that. I love Connect Four. That's, Continue. Sorry. I mean, what a way to lock it down. Eh? <laughs> hey, can I take you to a Connect Four tournament? It's a bold move. Yeah. It, it yeah. is. And Randall's an interesting guy. Uh, I couldn't make it to the tournament. But, <laughs> shame. Um, but Connect Four is a really good one. Randall has been trying to teach me how to play chess. Oh, I, want, I want to learn. I'm dying yeah. to learn. Queen's yeah. Gambit got us into yeah. it. We play a couple of other games, but I feel like they were group games. Like mm-hmm. the Exploding Kittens is really good. We got one called Throw Throw Burrito for Christmas where there's like actual burritos that you throw at each other. Maybe not the most romantic. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. I got to look that up. When you're pissed off at each other. We play a lot of games with B. A mm. lot of games with mm-hmm. B. So I'm just thinking of the ones we play with B, which is like the, we're playing Sleeping Zombies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I like Lucy that and game. I pretend we're cookies. We lay on the ground and it's like, let's be cookies. And it's a fun food, but it's a very boring thing if you <laughs> are a cookie. Would you just do nothing? I've never. What is it? We're talking about <laughs> games we play with children, Randall. <laughs> you and me. Oh, we make up games all the time. I know we do. 
Um, like every maybe, day. Maybe not for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about date night, Randall. But yeah, with <laughs> that, was, that was my boss, Randall, just stepped in for the people listening. But the the game with Lucy is we're cookies, which is fun. But we just lay there and we're totally quiet. And somehow it works just because it's a cookie that's being quiet. So we're just laying up and there's complete silence and it's a really fun game for both of us because I do actually feel like a chocolate chip cookie when I'm doing it somehow. You do. I do. That's yes. fascinating. I'm a weird person. I'm going to feel that move. Yeah. It's I, a good that's one. amazing. This is totally not related to game nights or date nights, but Danielle, I was hoping you could get into, I'm so fascinated by people's birth stories and I know mm. that with Marigold, that's your second daughter, you had a hell of a time and Randall mm-hmm. had a hell of a time and I was mm-hmm. hoping you could kind of outline that for our listeners because it's it's a special one it is a special one and I every time I think about it I think about Christmas time 2019 I'm preparing to have we're preparing to have our second baby you know um, my brother was supposed to get married my dad turned 70 it was like all this stuff was life was hopeful at that time in general oh simpler yeah. times yeah <laughs> And on the 31st of December, I had gone to see a girlfriend just for a quick visit, you know, before New Year's or whatever, just to say hi. And Randall was home with B and our eldest daughter. And when I got home, it was just like all hell had broken loose. And I guess B had had an accident and peed on the couch. Mm. And which was weird because she's never really done that. But things get weird. You know, when you have a second baby on the way, the of older course. one. And I guess she kicked Randall in the nuts so bad. <laughs> over. He was trying to carry her like pee self from the couch. Like, so. We had her kind of outstretched. On, and she's flailing because she had, oh, she had one of those like princess dresses on. <laughs> That's what it was. Princess dress. And she get it off so you can get her to the potty so the pee gets in the potty not on the couch and she kicks him so hard in the nuts like i mean and he fell down and he barfed he barfed on the- oh my that's goodness. what i mean when i tell you i came home all hell broke loose oh my he goodness and then he has a bad back and somewhere in the pee on the couch nut kick barf on the floor he tweaked his back really bad and i was you know days away from my due date at that point mm-hmm. And I got home and I was like, how bad is it? Because Randall's back is, has, has had problems over the years. And I, I would say, is it here? How bad is it? He's like, no, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And I was like, oh, okay. And as the days went on, now all of a sudden he went upstairs and he was in the shower and he turned and he sneezed in the shower. That's what it was. He sneezed mm-hmm. in the shower and it just went out and he collapsed to the floor, went in the bed and didn't get out. He just went into bed for three days and didn't move. And as that started, as that happened, I started going into late, early labor. So I was having this like stalled labor. So I would, I was getting contractions and like lost my mucus plug and all of that stuff. And I thought, okay, this is happening. This is happening. And everybody kept telling me it'll happen really fast with the second baby. Mm-hmm. It'll happen really fast. I was so panicked. My parents had B for the weekend. Thank goodness. It was just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And I was so, I mean, when I say I was scared, I was like, labor scary as it is. I yeah. was so scared because I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to him. He literally can't move. So I'm trying to keep him hydrated and he's really downtrodden and he's so sad because he's worried mm-hmm. and he's so scared and we're thinking, oh my gosh, he's not going to make it. And then I kept saying to him, I'm like, but you're going to, you're going to be there, right? He's like, yeah, 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 babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, he told me how bad things really were and he was obviously doing it to protect me and mm-hmm. being that he would make it he said it to me i i don't know if i'm going to be there and i was like what what do you mean like i i'm not doing this no um 
so then my parents came and I had been in the situation for a few days. So it kind of, it didn't become normal, but it was just, mm-hmm. I guess I was waiting for something to be different. And the mm-hmm. whole time I was having contractions and they were sporadic, but they were there and they were real. And my parents said, you have to call an ambulance. Like you have to get him out of here. He, this is not, this is not sustainable. This, he needs help. Yeah. He needs mm-hmm. to take a look at him. Called an ambulance who called another ambulance and the whole time I'm like, and now my contractions are picking up. I'm not timing them. I don't know what's happening. I'm just so worried. It took nine paramedics to get Randall out of the house and every possible form of painkiller you could imagine. Oh, um, they they juiced him. They said they were going to just juice him up and we're going to get him out of here. And he said, trying to come down the stairs because he was upstairs. He just like blacked out from the pain. And then they got him out the door. And I kind of looked around at my options and it was my mom, <laughs> my dad. And I was like, well, my mom has to stay here with B. So I looked at my dad. <laughs> um, I guess we're doing this. Wow. And, and was your dad comfortable well, with that? We had no time to that, even have a conversation. Right. It was just like, I can't go by myself. So <laughs> I love my dad so much for so many <laughs> reasons. He is 100% the last person I would have by choice. <laughs> no offense, but yeah. Not at all. And yeah. I told him that. I said, Dad, this is really not at all what I was hoping for, but I need someone to go with me. And when the paramedics came, they looked at me and they were like, are you good? And oh, I said, I don't really know. I, I think I probably need to get to the hospital. So my dad and I took an Uber to the hospital and we're like, in the. I'm sorry, this is a very long story. No, no. this is good. This is good. And, you know, we're getting our way there. And my dad starts chatting with the Uber driver and he said, you know, we're having a baby. And I said, no, we're not. We are not having a baby with my husband (laughs) who is also at this hospital. So thankfully Randall was at the same hospital that I was going to be delivering the baby. So we got there and I had to say to my dad, I love him so much, so much, but he's really reliant on my mom. Mm -hmm. So I said, you can't ask me for anything. You need to take care of your own drinks, snacks remember what floor we're on like you cannot I cannot be thinking about your needs I just really need to get into the examined and see what's happening with Randall so then they got me set up and I was five centimeters along and they said you know what we'll do we'll slow down your labor slow things down for you and then we'll get some word from downstairs from the ER where your husband is to Mm -hmm. see how things are maybe he could come up maybe maybe we could figure something out because mm-hmm. he was just in the bed down there right and that sounds really really good that gave me some peace and some comfort he, we were together in the same space mm-hmm. I was so hopeful they would be able to bring him up and then I went into the labor and delivery room because I wanted the epidural mm-hmm. went to go pee before and then next thing I know I'm like oh shit like this is all happening right this second, right this second, right this second, to the point where, and you know the feeling, Alex, where it's like, this has changed from what it was. This yes. was, this is not corrections. This is now Oh, imminent. absolutely, yeah. And I could, and my girlfriend, by then my girlfriend Claudia had shown up because I was texting with her saying that I was in the situation. She just was on a road trip, dropped everything, came into the hospital. Well, good friend. Saw my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, they're trying to get the epidural in, in my spine and because I desperately wanted that epidural. Like mm-hmm. I was never going to have a baby without the epidural. That was never going to happen to me yeah. ever, 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 ever. Mm-hmm. And my dad's like FaceTime starts ringing. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't know who was get out. Like you can't do this right now. And the, and the pain was so bad. I couldn't sit still for them to get the epidural in. And like, you have to, you have to, you have to. And I was like, just writhing with pain. Cause again, I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for, just not what I, I didn't prepare for this scenario. Yeah. 
So um, they got the needle in and then I said, how long in, until the numbness kicks in? And mm -hmm. uh, the doctor said, or the anesthesiologist said 15 minutes. And I thought, there's just no way I can do 15 minutes of this. Mm -hmm. This is, I'm on a different level. And I'd never felt this because I had the epidural with yeah. B, with my older daughter. So they got it in, no numbness kicked in. And all of a sudden I was like, the baby's coming right now. The baby's coming right this second. The baby's coming right now, right now, right now, right now. And they're like, no, 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 you're only five centimeters. And no, I'm telling you right now, I can you know. feel yes. the baby. The baby yes. out. feel everything. I could feel every millimeter of that baby moving through my body. And they said, what, is anybody here? I said, can someone check if my mom is here? And I guess like kind of out of a scene of a movie, they went into the waiting room and said, is there a Mary out here? And my mom had made it. My mom and dad had done the swap somehow. Oh my my dad went home because my mom made it and she was with me, which is amazing because like not a situation I wanted to be in. And I was so scared and I missed Randall so much and he was missing this and it's just hard. And um, I knew it was going to be our last baby. And this was like nothing we would experience again. Mm -hmm. And thankfully it was only a few pushes and she came out, but I remember screaming at the doctor and I mean screaming <laughs> I'm not doing this I am not <laughs> no way and they're like you are like you are and then I started worrying I was like why didn't I come here sooner and why didn't I and then my girlfriend Claudia grabbed my hand and my leg and like again not a discussion we had ahead of time where you're gonna see all of my stuff mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it just she was there grabbed a hand and she was like, girl, we're here now. You're doing this and you, you got to do this. You can do this. And then my mom was there crying and then out came my beautiful baby girl. And oh, wow. <laughs> because so little time had passed yeah, at her and she was on my chest and I FaceTimed Randall and he thought it was just a check-in, you know, I'm here. Cause the last we spoke, they were slowing down my labor mm -hmm. in order for me to see yeah. him. And he opened his FaceTime and the baby was there. Oh my God. That's gotta be so <laughs> surreal. What, like, you, I talked to you 20 minutes ago mm -hmm. and now there's a baby here. And I was like, now there's it's a like, baby here. I'm imagining he's high as a kite because of all the pain medication. What was his response to that? He just bawled. Mm -hmm. He just bawled. And I remember him saying, she's, like, she's got so much hair. She <laughs> <laughs> so much hair. Wow. It does have so much hair. And it made sense. They couldn't bring him up because I was in a completely different part of the hospital yeah. and there's liability with, you know, being in the emergency and everything else. And they, they were really great about trying to make it work. And then I went into like recovery and I wanted to bring the baby down to see Randall. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, it was January. We were hearing things, a little bit things about COVID. It was cold and flu season. Mm -hmm. She was a couple of hours old and they said, no, it's not a great idea. And I was like, you're right. It's definitely not a great idea. So then I went down to see him. So they wheeled me down to see him. I think maybe an hour after I gave birth, Jeez. better put her in her thing yeah. left, which is crazy about yeah. it. like actually crazy. My mom was in the room with the baby as well. And I went to see him and we, I saw him, we just, and he was laying on the hospital bed and the in the hallway and we just both just like bawling, 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 bawling. Oh I wanted him to see her so bad. I just wanted him to like see how perfect she was and how cute she was and like see all those moments. And then I begged them to let me go home in the morning. I was like, I just gotta go home. I need to see my my older one. She's really having a hard time. She doesn't understand why mm -hmm. none of her parents mm -hmm. right now they let me go home to see her. And so I was home within 12 hours. And then in the meantime, because Randall was still so immobile, we ordered a hospital bed and it was in our living room. 
Wow. A living room, dining room. Like you rented one or you just flat out bought one? Oh, nice. Okay. I'm um, blessed. Like just swooped in and rented a hospital bed and they came and they set it up. Oh my God. And Randall lived on that hospital bed in our living room, dining room for a month. Jeez. For a month. Because he couldn't go up and down the stairs or, and it was like the the safest place for him. So I remember when Mikey, Mikey. Mm -hmm. um, Mikey V, yeah. Mikey V brought Randall home Jesus. and Randall came through the door on a walker. And I was just, it felt like so much had changed. We had been apart yeah. for like two days and so much had changed. And he came through the door and like made the few steps from the door to the hospital bed laid there. And then I went upstairs and got the baby and I brought him oh my to God. her. And I'm like, he's just like, I, I'll never forget that as long as I live, it was not the meeting we anticipated or expected, but it was, really 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 beautiful like when we finally he finally got to yeah to see it. well see i, I yeah. think so many people they have these ideas especially if it's their first of the birth story they want and then things happen emergencies happen whatever happens and it's not that and then they have a hard time reconciling that and it sounds like you guys really found something beautiful in this you know new first really special unique meeting but yeah i gotta yeah. think about like you know you said it was so much easier with marigold but how do you like, how did you find positivity and how do you reconcile that, you know, the idea that was lost, that birth that was lost, plus the fact that, you know, your husband is down and out and you're kind of, I'm assuming, doing more than you anticipated? Oh, when I got home from the hospital, the 12 hours later with the two kids and because the paramedics had been in the house the night before, you know, mm-hmm. with boots on and everything, everything was a mess. And B that night had woken up. And she, she never does, freaked out because my brother was the one there with her <laughs> screaming. And then tr- it's like the whole house was like a crime scene upstairs. Oh, I, so I, as soon as I got home, Marigold was sleeping in her car seat, dropped her down. And I went up and I changed all the beds. Someone played, people needed places to sleep and mm-hmm. we needed to get prepared. And so I took on all of that and get every, get be really comfortable and felt make her feel good. She came to the hospital to meet her sister and Aww. that went about a terribly as it goes. Yeah, it never goes right, does it? That part. No, That's when reality all. really sinks in. When you're going through something like that, and typically the the man's usually in the best shape after a birth. You know, 99.9% <laughs> of the time, the man's there to be kind of the the caregiver and do that little bit extra because you're healing. Do you feel a little bit of resentment during that period and just constantly arguing? Well, I think I I felt really physically different after this birth. And I think that's because I didn't have the epidural. I had no grogginess or anything like that. So now that I've had the two experiences, I wouldn't choose a spontaneous traumatic birth like I had. (laughs) I would never choose that. I I could possibly see myself if I were ever to do it again doing it, but in a way where I was prepared mentally to do it. Mm -hmm. Just because afterwards I didn't feel physically as as down as I did the Mm -hmm. last time. Um, I was just up and ready to go. I just got on with things, which made a big, big difference in in, mm-hmm. in terms of my mental state. And also because I was really worried about B. You know, yeah. she had never, dad's in a hospital bed in the house. And, you know, she met, there's a baby there that needs all of my attention. And I just it was like, I got, I guess I have no choice but to do this. I remember when Randall was still in the hospital before he came home, I was nursing the baby and B said, I want you to sit with me and have my breakfast. And I was like, oh. okay, I guess I'll just bring this baby right yeah. here and sit with you while you eat your breakfast. Because it was all about trying to make her feel okay. The yeah. baby didn't know. Mm-hmm. She's a baby. Um, but B really didn't. B's really sensitive. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was there. And then we actually had a night nurse, which. Oh, that's- oh nice. Yeah. 
big, big difference. And we needed it because of the situation we were in. Yeah. I couldn't manage everything, yeah. um, especially with the new baby. So Randall slept. <laughs> Randall slept in the on the main floor in the hospital bed, and then I slept upstairs in our bedroom. And the, our wonderful night nurse would come, and we'd watch Jeopardy together. That's you know amazing. We were on the couch, and Randall's like right behind us in the hospital bed. That's hilarious. So wait, what what exactly does she do? What what does the night nurse do? Um, it was actually pretty great. Um, so she would come and I just, I loved her so much. I still talk to her to this day. I just, I think she, and she was really insistent on wanting to bathe the baby. And I said, no, we're just going to like, let the baby just like marinate in its baby stuff for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, and then went and got everything set up upstairs for the baby. And then would like at the beginning, we, she we would hang out while I nursed the baby and then she would go put the baby to bed. And then as time went on as, and then she, she would bathe the baby mm-hmm. as I, we started her and bring her down get her all dressed for bed and we didn't have her every night by the way right. this is yeah. just a few this is this few sounds months. like a heaven though it is so she she shows up at seven and then I would whenever I went to bed and then she would just come in the room with the baby and then she would t- she would talk like the baby for me <laughs> or if not for me she would talk like the baby she's like hi mommy I'm ready for my milk and I was like okay great cool and then I would baby and she would stay there with me uh, on the bed with me and we got to know each other yeah. and I got to learn about her and she got to learn about me and we had some really nice nights together and it was so comforting because as much as I love and adore my mom I didn't want to put that burden of my mom of being That's up huge. in the night with me her being exhausted she's you know 67 years old yeah. I, I could I wanted her to be as helpful as she could with be during the day but at night it was just really helpful for me to mm-hmm. have this wonderful woman named Ferris. So yeah. And then she would take the baby back and then bring her back. And she gave me a couple of great tips and I cried when she left us. Oh yeah. Yeah. It made a big, big difference. It for it it was it saved us, I think, Mm -hmm. from the difficulty, the resentments, and pretty great to have the support that we did at that time. Oh, absolutely. And then we just I think Randall went back to physical work in the building for maybe a month. And then we ended up where we are today, yeah. which is in this state of lockdown. Raising raising wow. newborns in quarantine with only the family. And did you have something for this topic? Well, no, I was okay. just going to ask. Uh, Randall and I were texting recently and I was trying to bond with him. And he was asking me how things are going. And I just assumed things are going kind of terribly for everyone. So I was like... <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a little bit like hell, you know, because... You said that? Well, just let me finish here. I was like, our nighttime, and Alex is having a really tough time at night, thinking Randall was going to be like, oh, yeah, nighttime's the worst. The baby's waking up constantly. And he was like, oh, sorry, bro, can't really relate. Our baby's a dream at nighttime, no pun intended. And I was like, how did you do it? And then he, he went on that you found this, like, miracle method or something for your child and I just wanted if you could impart any wisdom for us yes of course um well the difference is Betty and Marigold are six months apart Mm -hmm. so Randall forgot with those six actually no there's no way he could forget because it was hell on earth we were in a hell on earth situation Mm -hmm. when she was six months old though no about whatever whatever 12 to 16 weeks okay yeah yeah okay that's so a four-month four regression. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So bad that Randall spent hours, and I'm not kidding you, actual hours holding the baby, facing outwards, because it's the only way she didn't freak out, <laughs> yeah. walking through the house like that. 
Yeah. And then she'd be squawking and squawking and squawking. And I said, you're lighting her up. And I would get so angry. <laughs> when I talk about anger and resentment. I was like, stop winding her up. He's like, I'm not winding her up. This is the only way she can walk. Like, it was really dark here for a while. Wow. Because again, you know, you just want to go to sleep as the person mm -hmm. who's getting up and feeding and stuff. You just want to get a little yeah. head start. Yeah. You could just take over the putting her to bed thing. That would be really helpful. And it just wasn't happening. And she was a, she went from being awesome to that difficult window. Mm -hmm. And then found this woman, Alana from Good Night Sleep Site, who got us on a program and we have not looked back. And the program is Marigold goes to bed at 5.30. 5.30 p.m.? PM? PM, guys. 5.30? Till 7. How? And, does, and she doesn't wake up once? No. Wait, no. Wait. When she was little, we would do a dream feed. Mm -hmm. We would dream feed her around 11 okay. when she still needed that. And then we just kicked that. And now she's just like, whoop, through the night. Okay, wait, how do she's napping during the day, I'm assuming. Yeah, but two naps. So. Mm. so then what what age did you start putting her down at 530? Literally, I called. I found Alana. She messaged me because I posted mm. that we were having mm -hmm. a hell of a time with Marigold. And it was like I was nursing her to sleep. And so, again, I was the only person that could put her down. Yeah. And I did all the things like I that I that a rookie would do. I was like I never had a baby before. I yeah. was having her up till ten o'clock and nursing her to sleep, all the stuff. I'd totally forgotten what the the tools that help mm. to get a baby mm -hmm. and the crutches that you can develop, which mm -hmm. I did all of the crutches. Mm -hmm. and the kid she wouldn't take a pacifier, and I was just like, just take it, <laughs> yeah. take the pacifier, make things better. Do it. And so I talked to her around maybe thirteen weeks. Yeah, and she's gotta wait till 16 I was like I can't I cannot wait mm -hmm. I will I cannot make it and she said it's the ideal time to start the earliest you can start mm -hmm. so we hit literally on the mark 16 weeks yeah and started on the program first time I just like we just put her in the bed no and I know you guys do this like you mm -hmm. put Betty to down awake right yeah. like yeah. you do yeah I wasn't even doing that and she just was like okay good night now like, okay she just went to sleep wait she didn't I don't cry know. No, it took her like two days of a little bit of like, wah, wah, yeah, wah, wah, fussing. But I, you guys are parenting experts. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it was that idea of her not getting great sleep during the day, which is why she mm -hmm. was so wound up at night. She became flooded with adrenaline and she was stressed. So we needed to really protect, as Alana says, protect the day sleep. You really mm -hmm. got to nail that day for them to sleep well at night. I am no expert here. Mm -hmm. I just then the thing is, she gave me the program, and then I modified it. And I was like, well, I'll just do my thing a little bit. <laughs> tweak here, tweak here. Yeah. For us. So then I talked to her and I said, well, this is, you know, kind of what's happening. And she said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, they kind of like this. And she said, well, are you ready to do it the, the, the way, the way. That I kind of lined up online? I was like, yeah, probably. As soon as we've done that, it's been. That's yeah, amazing. Been that, no, that's so amazing because right now both girls go to bed for seven. Like we leave both okay. of their bedrooms at seven. But getting that earlier would be incredible. I've just always been yeah. too scared that they'd wake up too early. No, I'm telling you, I was scared of the same thing. I was terrified yeah. of it. And how it works for us is one person is bathing Marigold, getting her kind of wound down for the night. And then I'm just making B's dinner. So B's mm -hmm. eating dinner while the baby's having her bath. Then B's done dinner and Marigold's in bed. That's and then incredible. B's watching a show and chilling, and Randall and I are down to one kid at 5.30. What time does B go to bed? Uh, about 7.30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And she wakes up about 7.30. No, that's, that's excellent. We need to adopt this. And so, Danielle, one thing that I've been dying to ask you about, because I know, you know, before we went in lockdown, so you had Marigold. A month later, 
you're in LA hosting the Oscars. And Mm -hmm. it was similar with B2, I think, not long after anyway, right? Mm -hmm. And how, like, I'm just in my head trying to work out how you do this, like how you leave the baby at home, like how that is on you, how that is on Randall, if it feels like a dream, if it feels like hell, I don't know. But yeah, because I don't know if I would be trusted to be I, left. I don't alone know if the... I could trust him. Like, well, my mom was there, and okay. Ferris, the night nurse, was right. there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so Good answer. Yeah, we had backup. Mm-hmm. Um, was he's, it... he's an amazingly father i shouldn't say that he's one he's so good was it more like on the dream side of things like wow i've not been sleeping for a month and now i get to go and have my own hotel bed or was it more on like the hellish side of things just because your body's going through so much yeah it was kind of a bit of both because at that time randall was still in the hospital bed um it was five weeks after i had her and i committed to it while i was pregnant and everybody at work and my bosses were like that's a great goal <laughs> but we just can't see that I'm telling you now, I'm go wing. I am go wing Mm -hmm. to do that show because I love it. I really, really love it. It's one of my favorite assignments of the year. I, I love doing it with Lainey. I just, I didn't want to miss it. I truly didn't. Mm -hmm. And it gave gave me something not to look forward to because I was really enjoying my time, but it gave me a little bit of like me back a bit. Mm -hmm. And I was looking forward to that dress fittings when literally wearing a diaper, which is Mm -hmm. how it went. Like I tried on dresses for the first time right after I gave birth because I couldn't try them on while I was enormously pregnant. Yeah. So diaper and this great undergarment I found, what the heck was it called? Squeam. And it was like <laughs> rubber and nice. and eye snaps and like stuff to really like whoo, suck everything in. Cause I had like that squidgy, you of know, well, you, could, you could like feel your back. I remember putting my hand in my stomach and I could like feel my spine. It's disgusting. Oh yeah. It's so um, gross. So gross. <laughs> then I just prepared. I asked a lot of people about traveling with milk because I had never mm. done that. So I got myself set up with all those things. I it felt it was hard if I when I called home, it was really mm. hard because he was like snuggled with the baby and I can, yeah. you know those little sweet baby noises when they're so little, those little oh sounds? yeah. Like gremlin y sounds. Yes. Um it's hard. And when people saw that I was there on Instagram, it was like, well, is the baby with you? Is the baby with you? Is the baby with you? And I had to say the baby wasn't with me. Mm-hmm. That was hard to say because I just a baby, fresh baby. <laughs> yeah. And and I wasn't I didn't get to sleep through the night because I was still trying to establish my milk supply. So I was getting up every three hours to come. Oh, wow. Yes. In my head, yeah. I'm like thinking, oh, wow, that's probably mm-hmm. the best part about all of this is that you're just like <laughs> sleeping like a princess all night long. That's awful. I didn't even consider that. No, and then it was like pumping in the middle of meetings with everybody there, my entire team, <laughs> like the whole production of eTalk there mm-hmm. pumping. And it was like, you know, the person in the corner. Mm, mm, <laughs> and then it's like, can I just use, we were in the production meeting, can I use your bar fridge to store my milk? And it was like my the, my milk needs were such a focus of the weekend, but everyone was so great. Mm-hmm. They were rallying behind me. And then I remember really trying to time it because I would – they get really engorged really quickly trying to time it before the live show because mm. once we were locked in line there was nothing i could do and so where we were positioned is on hollywood boulevard up a few stories and it overlooks the red carpet and all the people that are out there and watching and stuff and i remember we were like 10 20 minutes to show time and i could just you know that swell feeling Alice. of I course just, you know it's happening mm-hmm. you're gonna start leaking Shit, this is a disaster and I said, I got to go. Like, I just have to go. So they set me up a little space 
behind That's a black awesome. curtain and it faced the action. So I was like pumping, watching what was going on. <laughs> There's a photo back there. And That's I was awesome. like, okay. And then I felt instant relief yeah. and that I could get on with the next, I guess it was an hour and a half without needing to relieve myself in that way. So yeah, did that and then packed up all, actually finished work at whatever it was, six o'clock, took the red eye home at 10, back oh my to my God. baby at 5.30 in the morning with my milk, my big cooler of milk and went right back to normal. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Danielle, we're just going to take a quick break to let our audience know that we are supported by Mabel's Labels. Frustrated by their children's things getting lost, mixed up, and leaving home never to return, Julie Cole and three other mom friends knew they could do better than scribbling their kids' names on masking tape. From there, the idea for a new product was born. The very best personalized waterproof name labels and tags that are equally cute as they are durable. Mabel's Labels started humbly out of a basement and has grown to be an award-winning, market-leading company loved by moms and kids alike. And my favorite thing is we can label Lucy's clothing. So we can even put uh, her name on the back of tags on her collars. No, it's awesome. So you can get these labels and they're so cute. Like Lucy and Betty both have them hearts. Some of them have hedgehogs on it, little cherries. You can really design adorable labels. And as well as rubberized things that go around the water bottles so they don't get mixed up. So their line of products features baby bottle labels, allergy and medical alert products, sports labels, household labels, and seasonal items. They are so durable. This is one of the most amazing things about this company. They're laundry, dishwasher, and microwave safe, and they're 100% guaranteed. So you can head on over to mableslabels.ca to start creating your very own labels and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15 for 15% off your order. They deliver internationally and they offer free standard shipping in Canada and the US. So again, that is mableslabels.ca and ThisFamilyTree15. But we are also supported by Seedlip the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip Spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. As a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when it comes to your social life. You'll feel very cool, you'll feel very refreshed, and you'll feel like you're drinking an adult beverage. No, it's true. They are so, they, they are adult beverages. And whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every kind of drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails like Shane and I like to make. You make them. It's true. <laughs> and you'll find them in the Seedlip cocktail book or on their Instagram, which is at Seedlip underscore NA. Head on over to SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 for 10% off your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and the U.S. Again, that is SeedlipDrinks.com or .ca and ThisFamilyTree10. But now let's get back to our interview with Danielle. How important is scheduling in your day-to-day -day life and how good are you at it? That's a good question because I think it took us a really long time to find that groove and to find that schedule and to meet your own needs. Mm -hmm. Because especially at the beginning when Marigold was new and being a family of four was new and then we were up here in a completely different environment with no support. Typically my mom would be with us a couple of days a week anyway to give us a hand and spend time with the kids. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard groove to find. He was trying to get everything set up and with everybody out working from home and you know trying to get as much done as he could get done and 
And then I realized that I had no time for me and how, how much that was affecting me and that I was getting really short on patients really early in the mm-hmm. day. My reserves were depleting sooner than they would have. Normally I get annoyed by like four o'clock. Now I'm mad at 10 a.m. because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I can't get a minute here. And then we kind of figured out the best, not not by even talking about it, just kind of working things out. Mm-hmm. We alternate mornings getting up with the kids, which makes mm-hmm. a big difference. It gives one person a bit of a break to either sleep a little longer or just like have some quiet in the room by yourself for a minute. Yeah. Randall's been really good about carving out time for me to exercise because I found that really yeah. makes me feel a lot better. Alex, I know you're feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. So much. And I know if I don't get it, how it affects me or if I don't get outside, mm-hmm. how it affects me. So it's also about me asking for help when I need it, which I mm-hmm. was terrible. And I would get to the point where I would be so depleted and overwhelmed that I would just like, blah, mm-hmm. like nap or, or react in a, not in the best way. And then I was, and then Randall said to me, he's like, if you're feeling like you're getting to that point, just ask for help. I don't know. Just ask for backup. Call me in. I'm there. I'm like, okay. So yesterday Marigold was, she's in this thing where she's spitting out everything I feed her. She's like, <laughs> That's like betting, yeah. Yeah, it's terrible yeah. and it's like i'm on meal three i'm at dinner you've been spitting out stuff in my face all day he was outside shoveling and i said i need you to come in i am like i can't mm-hmm. take any more spitting out in my face and fighting with a baby to eat he's like i got you <laughs> in sat down took over so it's just about that kind of stuff i don't know if that's a schedule answer but it's finding ways to like to give that other person that break and that reprieve and to meet whatever needs they have if it's quiet Mm -hmm. time if it's if it's time to engage with each other or Mm -hmm. to be heard or ideas so that's kind of how we've been making it work yeah Yeah. schedules aren't always written down but sometimes it's just like an inherent like oh this is how our day works every single day and it's a bit rhythm yeah yeah 100 yeah that's kind of how our our days look, we have lunches together, all three, uh, B, actually all four of us have lunch together. And then Randall and I typically just have dinner together ourselves at night and B eats dinner for us. And yeah, and then we watch some TV and I fall asleep on the couch. Randall wakes me up. I get mad for him at him for waking me up on the couch and we go to bed. Oh, I will tell you one thing, because I know you guys talked about sleeping in separate rooms. Mm-hmm. So we made, and talk, taking up all your time, I'm so sorry. No, no. this is this is great. We made a real critical error in the beginning of moving. We moved Marigold's crib into our master bedroom because I was feeding her at night still. And that he was out of the room. He was sleeping in one of the spare rooms or the spare room, sorry. And then she didn't need to get up in the night anymore, but I didn't want to sleep in there with her anymore. So then I moved into this spare room with Randall, but it's a queen bed and a single bed in the spare room. So we are sleeping separately but in the same room, and Marigold, our infant, the master bedroom. Wait, is it oh, wow. still? <laughs> it's oh, yeah, still, still like that? Yeah, it's a routine. Still You're in the routine. Thing. Yeah, 100%. I love that. She goes to bed at 530. I can't mess with it. I can't change it now. Can't put her in with That's B because hilarious. B's later. So the only time I go in our room is to get my clothes and to put the baby to sleep. And There's then when I retire... <laughs> Yeah, you like. I doubt anybody would ever want to wake up Kim Jong Un from a nap, and little babies are very similar. You can't wake them up, or everybody pays. It's yeah. awful. Wow, what a comparison! <laughs> <laughs> I just have two more questions. Next one's kind of an easy one. I'm always fascinated about someone who doesn't drink coffee. I'm not sure if you do, but if you do, how many coffees a day can you consume safely? 
Because for me, it's three, and then I'm borderline yeah. psychotic, though, after that. After really? That. I, I'm a one and done. That's great. It's, uh, it's wow. usually before 930, Amazing. and then I don't even think about it for the rest of the day. Because if I have coffee post 2 o'clock, I would not sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for you for sticking to that I even know. pandemic because I slipped into almost a three and a half groove. Then I realized that's my <laughs> irritable point where I'm I'm just like it's it's not good. Uh, and my second question, my last question is related to that. I found as the pandemic went on first four months, I was like the coolest person in the world. But mm. then it started wearing on me. Right. And the routine of it all. And I started getting into like, wow, what's every day's Groundhog Day. And yesterday, for example, we lost a $15 Tim Hortons card. (laughs) And I just lost my mind looking for the card. I was just obsessed. And it's something that would never really send me off the deep end in a really frustrated way. So I was like, do I need to meditate, do do Mm -hmm. something? Like, do you have any tips for this type of hair trigger reaction to innocuous things? No, because I'm a hair trigger reactor. That's... (laughs) (laughs) I, I would like for you to share some with me. Um, I will say, Randall has taught me about taking deep breaths mm-hmm. okay. um, and to calm down. He's the far better parent. I wow. just can't let him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll beep that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, he, oh, he's not reactionary. He's just like cool. Mm-hmm. And he can, he, you know, when kids get in real jerky moods. Oh, yeah. He can get her out of that jerk mood way better than I ever could. So no, I I am a I am a reactor and would like to not react, but sometimes mm-hmm. I'm not the best at it. Then today I stubbed my toe and I swore, and then B said to me, "Put a muffler on that thing." <gasps> wow, <laughs> that's an awesome expression. <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. And then, mom, why don't you take your three deep breaths? And oh. I was like, "Okay, we'll do that." And then she said, okay, one, I did one. And then she made me do all three. And then she said, don't you feel better? And I said, I do. That's amazing. <laughs> I feel much better, thanks. Well, that's a sage yeah. advice. But so for a three-year-old you- with no responsibilities, that's a lot easier said than done sometimes, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> her whole life is catered yeah. to her to be wonderful and fun and perfect and delicious and adventurous and all those things. Get outside, maybe, Shane. Mm-hmm. Go for a walk, Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That, are you an outside guy? I, I am. Like- I try to go for a run, but now we're trying. I've noticed that if she doesn't get out, that can manifest itself in frustration too. So it's in my best interest to carve out time for Alex mm-hmm. and myself because before it was just me, but now it's almost like one or the other, or mm-hmm. we run out of time. So yeah. I find. Yeah, but you're right. On the days that I don't go out, I am more hair triggered. Mm-hmm. But exactly. it's still better to have equal time working out, or then it's just yeah. an inequitable relationship see I, I i find it easier and danielle you might be able to relate to this i don't know how much time you guys have spent at home in toronto during the pandemic but when we're up north because we've been going up there quite a bit it's so much easier for me to feel at peace with things because it's easier mm-hmm. to go outside and it's easier to have outside time with girls and i'm always running around i feel like like in a good way whereas mm-hmm. at home it's just cold with the no snow where there's roads and there's cars and there's people on all the places I want to go walking. Whereas like up north, like at our at our cottage, it's it's dead. We can go on the beautiful national park hiking trails and nobody's there. And it's so much easier for me to 
but harder to work for me because the Wi-Fi is so shit. Yeah. I almost have to start like 8 p.m. to mm-hmm. 2 a.m. work hours because that's when the Wi-Fi is cleared. But, mm-hmm. anyway. but do you guys do, yeah. do you find it easier being up there and parenting in this situation that we're in? I think, yes, in some ways, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's more difficult because we can't even see other people you know my my brother lives up the street from us in toronto i can go and stand on the sidewalk and say hello and catch up and that kind of Mm -hmm. thing so there's a disconnect there for sure but in terms of our serenity if because i feel safe here we don't we're not exposed really to anything at all or anyone there's that level of calm that really helps and it is beautiful like it's it's we got a foot and a half of snow last night. So everything's like blanketed in snow and there's no sounds or anything like that. Bundling mm-hmm. up kids in snowsuits is a nightmare. As you guys <laughs> oh, know. Yeah. We just took the kid for a walk. Randall dragged them both behind him and he was like, on the lake. Go ahead. Don't move for me. Dragging them because it was so much snow and it was so heavy and it was so difficult. But we do, it's easier to get outside because it's everything is just right there. You can go for a walk, you can toboggan, you can make a snowman or do any of those fun mm-hmm. things. And that's been a really big, big help, mm-hmm. I think, is here. Yeah, it's helped. I think in some ways, I worried that it would, it would appear as though it was like really idyllic in terms of like mm-hmm. how people would perceive my time, my mat leave. And it has idyllic tendencies and the fact that it's really beautiful but it is really hard still and that factored into my decision in delaying my return to work a little bit longer Mm -hmm. I just didn't want it to appear as though I was like I'm having the best time living the lake life and (laughs) that's not at all it's like there's a lot of factors into in to get into in terms of childcare needs we would need Mm -hmm. for in order for me to when I go back Um, we need support in terms of somebody coming to look after them or be going to mm-hmm. school or both. And that's not anything I'm really comfortable with mm-hmm. right now No, and in terms of exposing the no, family yeah. to anything. I get that completely. And we feel very much the same way. And we're so isolated that we feel that sense of calm. So I get that completely. And Danielle, my very last question for you is, you know, you're a part of the mother world. You have this family gram website. You talk about it frequently on your Instagram, the family gram. The family gram. Sorry, yeah. I'm confusing with ours. And, uh, you know, you're very much a part of things. So what's your take on modern motherhood? And if you were to see the motherhood paradigm shift in any way, what way do you hope that would be? That's a great question. I read Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, this Mm. summer, and it changed a lot for me in terms of what I knew motherhood to be based on my own mom and how she raised Mm -hmm. us and what I was trying to do that really wasn't working for me because it was all I knew. And I think that boils down to this idea of, martyrdom in motherhood and you are a selfless person and everybody goes before you and you are the last person you look after and you just do 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 go 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 and once and I mean that's what worked for her and that's all she really knew and she's literally the world's greatest mom but that just wasn't working for me and I could feel myself doing it I didn't know why I was doing it but I was like I just gotta make sure everybody else is good Mm-hmm. You guys are all good. And then I will feel good, but I didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So looking after me, whether that is going for a walk by myself or exercising or whatever it is, talking to my girlfriend for an hour, it's really important. And I think that that's something we're hearing about a lot more and we're really focusing on is that moms are people. Mm-hmm. Moms need time. Moms need outlets. Moms need identity and they need to be looked after too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think we're all 
feeling and sharing more and more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So um, martyrdom is not for me. Um, no, I think that's because I'm a when I when I can, you know, look after myself and 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 take care of me too. Yeah, no, I think that is so important. And I haven't read that yet. It's everywhere. And I haven't read it yet. I know, I know, I feel like it's sacrilegious to say, but I need to get on to it because I know lots of Glad and Doyle, but I just we don't I, we need to start reading we need to start reading again because we lost that night so much time. Yeah, just, just start reading <laughs> we haven't read one thing in ages <laughs> like even like a domino's pamphlet i'm like ah there's too many words here i'm just gonna uber eat something <laughs> but danielle truly you you have been the best and i love how you tell stories which i'm sure the listeners are appreciating right now and if they want to go check you out if they want to check out the family gram where can they find you online we are at thefamilygram.com and i'm uh on social media at danielle graham Amazing. so you can see some of our links up there yeah, yeah. this well, is perfect timing because lou is screaming her head <laughs> off for us right now this is awesome how you guys are pulling this off yeah. how are you both here randall's Naps. man and one and one sleeping both of yeah. them are on this nap is right our now. nap time so yeah we either try to do an interview at one or at 8 p.m mm-hmm. you guys so, are amazing for yeah. working and pulling all this off with two kids at home and no help <laughs> And bravo to you. You look great. You're doing great. <laughs> Honestly. I like this. I know. So yes. I don't know how you're doing this. I really don't. And lining up guests and getting it all done. I'm like, you guys are amazing. Well, so. I want to sign up for this pump up session once a week. So thank you. But Danielle, truly, thank you so much for being here with us today. It means a lot. Hi, right. guys. Thanks, Danielle. Bye. See you, Danielle. Have a good one. Okay, there you have it. That was Danielle Graham. She's the best. I missed her. I didn't realize how much I missed conversing with friends until we had that conversation. And I just felt like we got caught up on a lot of stuff in their life that we missed. Yeah, for the 10 minutes after we do an interview, I've never been closer to that person in my life. It's like there's like such a bond after an interview. (laughs) And then, you know, back to normal life. No, Danielle, we love you. We're still close. Uh, But yeah, now let's get to Sergey Urban. Follow this man, listen to this man, because he will make your quarantine life very easy. Even if you're not in quarantine, he will make your life easier, especially if you have children. The, the, a lot of these things are fun, no, whether you have children yeah, or not, that cool. he, he talks about. But let's get to this interview right after Alex tells everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Bravado Designs. They make the world's most comfortable and most user-friendly nursing bras. You don't have to tell me that. I don't. You're the one who picked them out for me, and I am forever indebted to you for it. Everyone knows our origin story, but does everyone know that? They now have an everyday collection, so no clips, but the same amazing comfort for your knockers. You can get the nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com, or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, use the promo code thisfamilytree20 for 20% off. That is huge. That's a great discount, and you will not regret it. That's five more than 15%. It is. So go to bravadodesigns.com for just the nursing bras. Or if you are Canadian, you can go to ca.bravadodesigns.com for access to the nursing bras and the everyday collection. Again, the promo code is thisfamilytree20. But now let's get to our interview with Sergey Urban. Sergey, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. So for us and for our listeners, I was hoping you could just tell us, who are you? Who is Sergey Urban and why did you start the dad labs. 
oh, that's simple. I'm just a, a regular person, uh, a regular dad, I would say. Because the thing is, sometimes people find the dad lab and they say, okay, so it's an Instagram page with like a million of followers. It's celebrity or some kind of sort. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, I'm just a dad. So I started my page uh, a bit over five years ago. And when I, oh, I started it, I was just basically sharing activities that I do with my kids anyway. So I was doing those activities and decided to use my phone to film those and sharing those online. And over the time, uh, people started sharing those activities. People like those activities and I got popular. But the thing is, one thing that hasn't changed is the fact that I'm still that. I'm still here because my kids love it uh, to do all the science experiments and all the different kind of activities. So I'm just a regular dad. Even in my Instagram bio, I say that I don't have any experience, no background in teaching or I'm not a scientist. But the thing is, you don't have to be a scientist to do science experiments. I just learn as we go. So if we just do some kind of cool experiment, I'm just trying to do research, trying to find out why exactly that works and just find something that really sits with me. And doing those for five years, again, now I can call myself in quotes, scientists, because I have done so many experiments, but I don't have any like official paper to prove that. Well, that's very true. And even Bill Nye, science guy, he's not actually a scientist. A lot of people think he is, but he's just a science guy. But speaking of background, I wanted to ask you people, because people are probably wondering your accent. And I'd like to guess what that accent is, if you'll humor me for a second. Okay, you you can guess. I'm sure it's, not, it's I'm sure it's not going to be easy because when people trying to guess my accent, they saying something. Oh, it's Scandinavian. Some people hear German. It's all over the place. So no. your guess would be interesting to hear. Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good guess. Good guess. Uh, so cause the thing is, so my first language is actually Russian. Russian. Mm. But it's a bit confusing. My first language is Russian, but I'm not from Latvia. Oh, so I'm not from Russia. I'm from Latvia. Ah. Okay. So uh, the country where uh, we have two languages, Russian and Latvian, and the national language is Latvian. So uh, I was born in a bilingual country where it's, it's a must to speak two languages. 13 years ago, we moved to London because we, we could. Me and my future wife at the time would say, okay, why don't we move to London? It, it, it was over then, then it was European Union, so mm-hmm. we we could, so we just moved and settled here. And all the boys, uh, both of my boys, were born here. So I guess uh, by uh, talking on the podcasts, doing different shows, I'm improving my English. But I don't really say that. I wouldn't say that uh, a language is my skill. It just you know I'm here surrounded by English people. That's why I kind of <laughs> have to speak English. Fight or flight. Right. And so you've obviously created this amazing platform or not platform, I guess, a place where people can go, especially during quarantine. Uh, what you do is probably more needed than ever with all these uh, home experiments that are so easy to uh, create just from items around the home. But what did you want to do originally? Like, uh, like what was your previous job before you ended up getting so successful with what you're doing now? I don't think my uh, previous experience in anything uh, helped me uh, establish my page and being successful on that. My education, I have master's in economics. So my first uh, job experience was in international trading. I was just uh, trading some dried fruits and nuts for a while. 
then I moved, shifted to web developing. So I, cre- I was creating websites. I didn't know anything about coding, but I just kind of taught myself kind of thing, just trying to understand a little bit here and there of, of PHP. So I was doing that for a while. And as a hobby, I started the, lat- the Datlab page originally on Instagram. And I, I, it was basically easy easy because you know when you have zero followers you just gonna snap here snap there just share just a few words here and there but i don't know it just just took off so i will we started uh, i uh, was posting everything on instagram but then i was one going through different kind of settings on on app and i found a tick that you can just tick and cross post everything so if you post something on instagram it automatically posts on facebook mm-hmm. i said okay why don't so i registered my facebook page done that and within a first year, I got my first million of followers on wow. Facebook. Oh my God. That's incredible. Yeah. Was there a video that you were like, this is my breakthrough? I've discovered something yeah. here. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. So it was a video with Skittles experiment. So basically, it's a simple idea. And we, we love doing that every time uh, after Halloween when we want to have plenty of candies. So the ones that I have done was with Skittles. So just pack of Skittles. Uh, my little boy at the time was sitting there uh, at the kitchen table. So uh, Skittles are different colors. So we took a flat plate and uh, Alex would put all the Skittles in a color pattern in a circle in the middle of the plate, the circle. And then we just put some warm water. And what happened was uh, water uh, is dissolving the all the colors from the Skittles and all the colors come in the middle of the plate and it just looks amazing. And that video, just after after I published it, it was picked up by, by a few pages and somehow Facebook algorithm decided that it's actually quite good. And currently I have probably over 40 million views on that video. Oh my God. But the thing is, it was cross-posted by different pages some of them were asking for my permission, some weren't, but it was just <laughs> everywhere. So if you, uh, I remember at the time, you know, I couldn't sleep because you know, I, I was just uh, searching, uh, going on, on, on the time on Instagram page. You could go to explore and you see all the best posts out there. And every five minutes I would refresh the page and there is other page who would took the video and upload it to the page without any credit or anything so <laughs> just trying to complain and stuff so it was like difficult time even so it i was getting kind of popular but uh, at the same time it's quite difficult but this was a time when i decided okay so now it's uh, so it's actually getting somewhere mm-hmm. so with the page that i created it wasn't just kind of for fun and that was the moment when i actually mo- was moving to making it full my my full-time job and i uh, decided to change the name to the dad lab because original name was Early Learning Toys, which was, I just wanted to, I mean, the original problem that I wanted to solve with my page was to show parents that there are cool toys, not just the toys that you see on a supermarket, just, but there are some cool toys that you would give to your children and they would play and learn at the same time. Those toys that even adults would love to play, but they are actually out there. And I was just looking for those toy gems i'm still am I'm, I'm still going every year go to the biggest toy fair in the world which is in europe here in germany there is another one in, in america i don't usually go there <laughs> too far from me yeah. but germany it's like uh, quite quite easy to go there so every go every year i go there i'm just trying to find some interesting uh yeah. interesting cool toys that is so you know you you said you're 
account is there to help parents spend more quality time with their kids by doing like very cool activities that they can do together and they're learning something. But I'm thinking like having an account this big and making this career, like you said, it's your full-time job. That takes a lot of preparation. That takes a lot of work. Do you ever find it difficult to you know, kind of be in the moment? Or are you always thinking of the next thing we can do of uploading a video? Like, is that difficult for you? Uh, the thing is, if you talk to popular YouTube or Instagram creators, what they would say, they don't have any planning at all. I just, every day, I just come up with an idea, I just publish it. That, that is it. No planning at all. It's everything is hosting. I'm thinking, okay, so Christmas, uh, I have to come up with ideas for maybe activities that I can post before Christmas, maybe a couple of weeks before, so uh, people can actually watch, maybe maybe get supplies and just get the activity inside. Never happens. So, and it's and it's just daily life because you know uh, the profession that I have, it's it's quite creative. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to plan, but as creative people, we not always do that. Yeah, very true. Being a dad, the the mom blogger is such a thing. Mm-hmm. The dad blogger, and I know you're not a traditional blogger per se, but in a way you are. Do you find that's an advantage or disadvantage? I think it played a good role in uh, my success. Because the thing is, I mean, it's difficult to say why the dad lab got as popular as it is. But, you know, being a dad definitely helped. Oh, okay. Because, again, if you're just going to the same hashtags like preschool, uh, kid science experiments, something like that, you'll find all the maps sharing it. So when people suddenly finding that, uh, they actually wanted to, sh- to see, oh, this is like a perfect scenario what I want my, my father of my children to do. And finally, not just moms sharing the activities. But the thing is, it's, it's difficult with this gender thing. So on one on one side, uh, side you say all the a lot of bloggers, uh, parenting bloggers, are moms. But on the other side, people think, oh, scientists. A lot of men are scientists. And I'm just gonna cut here in the middle. Am I? Because I'm not a scientist. I'm more <laughs> like a parent thing, which is gonna not a lot of parents there. But some people see me as a scientist. And say, okay, so if you call yourself the that lab, does it mean that? us moms can't do that with your kids. And it's not the point. And it's not the point. The dad lab is just basically showing that it's me it's doing yeah. cool activity with my kids. It's nothing to do that with anyone. And I, even in, in my book, in, in the very uh, beginning of my book, I was just saying that I don't have girls. I just have two boys. But it doesn't actually mean that you that your girls can't do the activities. And it, I, uh, I'm called the dad lab, but it doesn't mean that if you're a mom, you can't do that. It's everything for everyone and in fact the fact is you don't actually have to have a kit to do all the science experiments and this is what's happening i'm getting a lot of comments people people saying i don't have kids i'm planning to do have some kids in the future maybe but some some of the activities some of the science experiments are so interesting that you know adults are happy to do those you know i think about what you were saying about just because you're the dad lab doesn't mean moms can't do it. and just because you have boys doesn't mean girls can't be doing this and you think about the world that you're in so like uh, childhood education and kids and parenting and it's so oversaturated especially on instagram with motherhood and mom accounts and things like that do you ever take offense to that kind of gendered language, especially since you are so involved in your kid's life, like you're a stay-at-home dad, you know? So do you ever find that offensive or difficult to kind of navigate or do you find a problem with it? 
Uh, I'm just easygoing. Yeah, uh, I don't have any problems. Uh, I, I understand what, what's happening, but I know that generally in the world now more that's actually thinking about spending more time with the kids. So it's a like new trend. I guess it's something to do with rights of women and equal pay. So women have more opportunity now to actually bring money to home. And mm. that's kind of okay. Yeah? So I, I'm just going to stay at home because it's something that I enjoy, it's something that I want to do. As for me, it, it wasn't uh, one, one day I decided, okay, now I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to sit with my kids. But it's something that happened uh, gradually again. Uh, at the time uh, when my first son was born, I was doing web developing, meaning that I was just working when I kind of wanted to. That was simple enough. And so when my wife got pregnant and we got our first kid, I was spending as much time as I could just with her, supporting her, uh, feeding the kid, just basically doing everything she couldn't or I was just basically. And the thing is, I have actually a sister who is uh, 15 years younger than me. So I kind of do have some kind of experience with babies. And that's why I wasn't afraid. And I just wanted to see it, to play with the kid. And just uh, gradually, uh, I be- became more and more involved. And because I, I just noticed at some point that, you know, when dads would meet, and usually they would discuss some kind of some kind of sport. And I'm still not, not in, into sports. I prefer to talk about, you know, babies, you know, <laughs> what's happening there, you know, if, if he's still working, if he can pronounce any sounds yet, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but again, gradually it just goes because you now kids grow up and, you know, they have like completely different things to worry about. Yeah. I heard that when you were a kid, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that a, a big part of your childhood was building your family home together, which is kind of an unconventional activity do you think that motivated you to do unconventional activities with your own kids i'm not sure but it definitely helps so every time when i need to come up with activity i kind of have this kind of building experience so more or less like diy experience so mm-hmm. if i need to put something together i know how to do that thing so yeah i guess it's it was a bit of an unconventional childhood it was more or less like forced to me but basically one day <laughs> my parents said okay we're actually uh, buying the piece of land and I want to build a house there. So let's go and build. So for years we were building that because you know we, were, we weren't professional builders. So we're just trying to save money, get some something there, then just mix it together and just use all that to build a house. All the family members, I probably was the worst builders. But at the same time, I was spending, uh, so I was basically studying, studying at school and university. So uh, I was part-time working at home, part-time studying. And I would say that I wasn't the best student, but uh, I wasn't the best uh, builder. But I was, if we're talking about looking through all the builders, I probably was the smartest one. And if we were talking about all the smart, uh, uh, people in the school, I probably was like the one, the hands-on experience, the best one out there. So, you know, I always find something to get from my experience and just use that. And I guess, just as I said, just uh, the experience gave me this DIY experience that I use, I guess, now. See, we need that DIY experience in our house. Me and Shane, we're both terrible when it comes to that kind of thing. And even thinking creatively in that sense for me is so difficult. But I need I need to ask you, I'm still stuck on the stay-at-home dad you know, concept here. So you come from Latvia, right? Eastern European, my family, uh, my father's side is Russian-Polish. So I know that the role of the male in those 
families sometimes is very old school, very traditional, and it's not the role of a stay-at-home dad. So when you decided to do that, what was the perception of the people around you and of your family members? Again, it's, it's, it's like countries find spies. <laughs> Let's say if you need some, to get a spy, uh, to get a, uh, a person who would give you secrets from some kind of secret facility. So the thing is, it's not uh, that person who is kind of victim at some point is turned and is blackmailed to become one. So what they usually say, it's not one moment when you decide, okay, now I turn against my country. It's a gradual, you know, they give you something, you say, okay, why not? A bit bigger, bigger. So it's step-by-step thing. And here is the same thing. It wasn't like one day I decided, okay, now I'm not going to go to work. I'm just spend time with my kids. And everything was, what? <laughs> so it was it's, it was gradual. So again, when the kid was, when the first child was born, uh, I was spending a lot of time. But as he was get, getting older, I didn't cut on my Right. involvement i was still kind of staying there so again it's it just it was just gradual enough to anyone to say no mm-hmm. something is wrong going on there <laughs> but but again the thing is i again i'm easygoing i don't have any like really strict view saying okay so man is the uh main uh, decision maker in the family we're always making decisions together with my wife uh i'm really happy to have the wife i have uh, unfortunately, I don't share all of her photos on my page because it's a Atla page, but I, I still kind of do sometimes. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy where I am, and yeah. everyone around me happy too. No, and I I think that's so great, and I think that you know your easygoing nature needs to be adopted by more people, especially those that do you know kind of see that as oh well that's not traditional, therefore it's not okay or whatever. But when you tell people that oh yeah I'm a stay at home dad and I run an Instagram account. Is there ever any pushback against that or is everybody just kind of interested in it? I think everyone is more interested because the thing is, if you think about it, let's say, I'm not sure how far I can go. Let's say 10 years ago, there was no professional like Instagrammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there is. So perhaps if I was doing what I'm doing 10 years ago, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as happy as I am now because now I can kind of more I can mix and match my work and uh, a relationship with my kids because it's mm. more or less the same thing, basically. I just play, I film. Sometimes I don't film. Sometimes I film without them. So it's a mix and match all the time. So when I uh, tell somebody uh, what I'm doing, people are intrigued because not a lot of people uh, knowing Instagram celebrities, quote, quote, yeah. Uh, so people who are actually making a living from creating the content online. Right. And I'm sure once you have such massive success, it makes it a lot easier to tell people yeah. because it's like, not only am I doing this, I'm massively successful. Like if I was playing basketball, it might be embarrassing unless I was in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I remember having a, a friend of a friend uh, when I was just starting up and I had like, I don't know, 100 followers. Because you know, I started from zero, just you know, following myself from that, my, my from my <laughs> personal account that my wife did, and you know, all the friends and stuff. Uh, and then I, I met I met a person, and uh, she had like one hundred followers on Instagram, and I was just looking at her like from the uh, bottom of the well, you know, <laughs> one looking, day. Look at it. Oh, uh, wow, it's yeah. it's uh, how far that is. And now, you know, time uh, passed and now she's still at 100 and I'm just looking down at her. <laughs> Hello, okay. it's just an ant down there now. Yeah. 
Yes, so it, it just changes, you know. But again, sometimes I'm thinking, so does what it actually one one million of followers on Instagram? What does it mean to me? And it doesn't actually change again my life much. The only thing it changes is just I I made it my full time job, so I can actually kind of focus it instead of just doing any other extra work on web developing or trading. Mm-hmm. Now, when you have a, a kid blog, sometimes there is where people, they document their life and they grow with their children. So once your children are grown up past the age where experiments is kind of the thing to do, do you plan on evolving past experiments and maybe branching out into other facets of fatherhood or just uh, Instagram in general? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, when I was starting, I was just showing all the activities that I do with my kids. But now I understand that some of my followers uh, have been following me when they were pregnant. Some of them have older kids. So now sometimes I post uh, activities that are appropriate, not just for my kids, but for younger or for mm-hmm. older audience. Because I know that people would ask for, uh, would, there is an interest in that. But I'm always, when I'm talking about my fatherhood journey, it's my fatherhood journey here and now, what I experience. But activities just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about your fatherhood journey and you have a really unique journey. What was your father like? And was it anything similar to kind of what you're doing with your kids? Like, was he very hands-on or? He was hands-on. I wouldn't find, uh, say that we were similar in our parenting skills, parenting techniques. But I guess the thing is, what what usually happens, either people copy what their parents are doing or they're doing the opposite thing. I guess I haven't done any of those. I just come up with my own way of doing things because, mm. you know, I'm easygoing. I can think generally what I like, what I don't, and just finding the best solution that fits me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing so that I get, and I know a lot of girlfriends of mine get, being the parents that are at home with the kids and doing the you know, the majority of the caregiving, you have the invisible load. They call it the invisible load of motherhood only because moms are typically the ones at home doing all this. So it's, you know, what are they going to eat? What's this phase in development? How do we tackle this stage in development? Things like this. And you're worried about the kids, their development, and then the daily stuff. And then you have your blog on top of that. Now, do you feel the invisible load of fatherhood? Or would you say your wife still holds on to a lot of that you know, those thoughts and those, what do you call them? Like more than thoughts, like the... Yeah, no, no I know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's two of us. So we share the load. So for, for, on my side, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to, and especially now, have the schedule saying that, that I I work in the morning and before the noon, I have to kind of publish everything. So then I, we're having a walk. Uh, so, and we have to have a walk before it's getting dark. So we just have our own schedule. And then in the evening, I do dinner, I have already finished uh, making dinner today. So we have we have the schedule and kind of trying to balance. But the thing is, I guess I'm lucky to have the wife that I have mm-hmm. and she allows me to work a bit more. She doesn't give her uh, herself the luxury of working as much as she uh, wanted to. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult to say. I mean, it's difficult to find the balance again between work and children. Because, you know, if you are uh, 100% of the time with the kids, you're just missing your, your work because, you know, you mm-hmm. want something for yourself 
I guess. At the same time, if you're 100% in your work and you don't see your kids uh, when you're coming home, they're asleep or something like that. So you don't find it uh, quite parenting, uh, rewarding parenting journey too. So the best time is always to find the balance. You know, part-time is a perfect, per- perfect uh, example. I haven't tried that. But when I'm kind of working from home, said home dad, so I'm, I, I kind of can. So mm-hmm. sometimes I'm so overwhelmed with work, so I'm just happy spending time with the kids. And the other way worse, uh, other way around. So if uh, kids are just too much, you know, they were just screaming all day. So I just come back to my work to see the lovely comments from my followers and just enjoy <laughs> those. It's motivating. Now, when you add a project like a book, to your workload Mm. how does that affect your life and what's your process because alex is actually considering Mm. writing a book as we speak so she's going to listen extra hard so what i do content creation and i i spent uh i published on instagram facebook youtube and tiktok now sometimes on twitter and trying to get on pinterest as well so it's a it's a lot that basically takes all my time. So the schedule that I have now, I was saying and telling you that I'm trying to balance my responsibilities, parenting responsibilities in work. So I, I have the schedule. If I'm taking on something new as a book, and when I did that, uh, I was basically not sleeping, just doing, you know, doing working uh, during this. Instead of sleeping at night, I was just basically doing my, my book. This is this was the only time I, I could actually get. And the thing is. I know that it's happened with a lot of uh, YouTubers that generally digital content creators that uh, when you're getting kind of popular, a lot of interesting opportunities mm-hmm. come come from different kind of sites. And the opportunities that you can't say no to because they're so great, you ne- never imagined having something like that. But at the same time, you know, there is like so many hours in, in a day and you can't can't make everything happen. But I guess the best next step would be to build a team you know, yeah. people who think the same way I can help you, you know, publish content. Because, you know, if you film the video, uh, I guess somebody can edit it, some can uh, describe what's happening there, maybe the uh, science behind it, somebody can upload it to YouTube. So that's kind of more or less like technical kind of work anyway. So, yeah, I guess the advice would be before taking on new especially big project uh, make sure that you delegate all the responsibilities you have now or just make sure that you you have the time to do you have a team that helps you uh, no currently i still it's just me but um now i mean i'm thinking about the team all the time but now i'm kind of thinking even harder about the team what i realized more or less recently was that when I changed my uh, username to the dad lab, mm-hmm. I, I, what I was doing, how I, was, uh, how I came up with the name was, I was just trying to find a name that would uh, show who I am. And this username had to be free across all social media platforms. So that was a challenge because, you know, if you find something good, but it's just available on Twitter and you need all, all social media, it's not going to work. So I found the dad lab. So I went with that. Online, I have two names. It's Sega Urban and the Dat Lab. And the, what I realized recently was that I used my logo across all the videos. It's always obviously a username across uh, all social media. And over the time, I created a brand. Mm-hmm. So it's not just me, Sega Urban. It's the Dat Lab brand, which mm-hmm. stands for 
whatever I publish online, which is, again, the same values that I'm trying to pass on and share with people. So what I'm thinking about now is partner, some kind of partnership to take that brand on a next level, create some kind of products or services that the parents would enjoy, something quality, something really good. And I have a few ideas, but again, as I mentioned before, you know, workloads that I already have, yeah. so I need some extra people who would take that idea and just make it into a success. Now, what about Jada Pinkett Smith? Because I saw you two arm in arm in one of your Instagram photos. Sorry? Jada Pinkett Smith? Ah, yeah, I yeah. I you guys yeah, are having yeah. an arm. <laughs> I was like, were... did that not happen? <laughs> yeah, you guys were hugging in an Instagram photo. What about that? Partnerships like that. And, you know, you talk about great opportunities. And it definitely seems like you have had some. I still have a lot of kind of marketing opportunities. Mm-hmm. So now I'm actually working with the magazine, some UK magazine that comes uh, out for twice a year to do some uh, regular articles for them, like a few pages uh, to share different uh, experiments and activities you can do with the kids. And again, it's marketing. So when I publish something there, it just basically promotes my brand. Mm-hmm. But from kind of business perspective, what I need now, I need to have some kind of product that I can say, okay, now go and buy this product. It represents me. It's, it has its good value. So I need somebody to help me to build a business because the only business sacrament I have here is just having my my pages and just using that as a marketing platform mm-hmm. but now I'm um, I'm grown up influencer I have to create <laughs> my own products so yeah. that's why I'm looking for partners there so if you whatever you're listening if you have some cool idea that would smash the market and for parents just send me DM on Instagram and we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> you know, and I want to talk about your product. I want to talk about, you know, what you do and your activities in general, because I know we, you know, our listeners, it's mainly parents and mainly parents that are in quarantine right now. And they're bored as hell. They're running out of ideas. And a lot of them are like me and they are not creative at all. So do you ever struggle to come up with these ideas or how? Ha- how do you how do you think, oh, okay, let's pour hot water on Skittles and watch the colors, the beautiful things they do? I guess I just read books, browse internet and, you know, getting different kind of ideas. And one times uh, when one time comes that I have to come up with ideas, something always come, comes mm-hmm. up. The only thing that I found, uh, again, it depends on a child, is when you have like a perfect scenario, let's say, you saw the video uh, on the Love YouTube channel that, you know, if you mix a couple of things, you know, something magical going to happen. And you say, okay, we're going to do that with my kid. And you bring all the supplies and the kid started mixing around and just uh, not going with your plan, just trying to do a completely different thing and just breaking everything. So there are different ways to approach that situation to avoid a conflict to encourage a child to experiment, to be open to new things. I would suggest to everyone to allow the child to play with those supplies. Because the thing is, uh, if you come up with, uh, you saw the activity and you decided to do that activity, you know, and children already enjoying just without even your involvement, you're ha- they're happy to play with whatever supplies they have, just let them. When they finish, you say, okay, but now we can actually do something else and have a look on this wonderful rainbow we can make with those skittles. So this is what, what I'm trying to say, that uh, don't be forceful for the kids and just allow them to in- improvise as well and just experiment. Because mm-hmm. what, what most of the parents, and I'm the same, sometimes I actually come back to that and 
I was like, okay, don't don't do that because it's it's gonna go the completely wrong way. Mm-hmm. But then I was stopping myself, thinking, okay, let's just hit explore. <laughs> you know, and if he snaps his fingers with a piece of rubber, you know, he would learn a lesson there. <laughs> <laughs> but in real life, yeah, I think if you set up all this stuff and you're trying to do the dad lab experiment the way, and it goes off track, it goes off track. But for you trying to teach people how to do it the proper way, and your child's not cooperating, how do you handle that when it's in kind of a professional? realm of hey we're playing but this is kind of daddy's business also let's do it the right way yeah and i i know where you're heading and that's true so the thing is it's even goes deeper so whatever i show the activity i don't just show how happy my kids are i usually don't really speak in my videos so i'm trying to make it really visual and something that people from all over the world can watch and just understand because they see uh, easily how it's done. Uh, so yeah, there is definitely extra uh, things that I do now uh, that I'm making sure that uh, you can understand that with the video. And sometimes it doesn't go uh, with how the child wants to play. We, uh, usually what's happening is I'm just saying, okay, let's, let's do that. And if I see that video is not good enough, so it's not clear enough, the trick is I do activity myself and then uh, the final video, part of the video is kid enjoying it. Yeah. So when I explained everything, how, yeah. how to fold, how to mix, and then you can see how, how kid be happy is. So I'm just trying to, again, as you were saying, just trying to make sure the uh, videos are clear enough. So you, you don't really need to read the description, mm-hmm. uh, especially if your English is not your first language, you can just look at it and just repeat it at home. Yeah. Okay, Sergey, we're just going to take a quick break to let our listeners know that we are supported by... We are supported by Hoppe. We are huge fans of the Hoppe Toy Company. I love the old school wooden toys. They're I'll admit amazing. It. They're amazing. And from February 8th to February 22nd, we have two specific toys to talk to you about. The first one is the Hoppe Walk Along Snail. So this toy won the Autism Live Award in 2019. And it's essentially a multitasking snail that totes a shell full of wooden blocks as he tags along behind you. So he's really cute for, you know, your kids that are just learning how to walk to toddlers. Lucy loves toys like this. And it's kind of a two-in-one because you have the rolling snail and then you also have a colorful shape sorter that kind of goes along with him. All of their toys I love to play with too. (laughs) (laughs) They're awesome. And the next one we have is very adorable. It's the Hoppe Monster Scale. So you take these little cute monsters and they have different weights and you place them on the scales. And it's an amazing and fun introduction to weight, math and measurements and balance for your little kids. I can't tell you how much Lucy has learned from Hoppe Toys. It's not one of those toys you get and then forget. Lucy sticks with it. It's one of the only things she returns to constantly. She just broke out her Hoppe keyboard the other day and everything we've gotten from them, we're going to have forever. Absolutely. Kids learn so much from them and it's more than just play. You know, it's an educational play. But both toys this week are very child safe. They're made of solid wood and they have non-toxic finishes. So to get 15% off of either of these toys, go to playwellcanada.ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree15. Hoppe will give you free shipping on any orders over $50. So if you get them both, you're going to get free shipping. But if not, the 15% will pretty much cover the shipping costs. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So again, that's playwellcanada.ca and this family tree 15. 
One last time, this promotion only runs from February 8th to February 22nd and is only available in Canada. So get on it. And that website again is playwellcanada.ca or go to Alex's highlights on Instagram, hit the promo section and she'll have a swipe up that'll go directly to it. But right now, let's get back to our interview with Sergey. We were talking to another blogger. Her name's Busy Toddler. And she she does a similar thing. It's it's slightly different. It's less uh, scientific experiments and just more like building little games around your house. But we were asking her, what's the easiest thing to do if your child's having a tantrum to entertain them for the longest period of time? And she was saying, put them in a bubble bath and give them a popsicle. And I was like, wow, that's almost too simple. But we tried it and it was very effective. Do you have this science version of that? Something that's so ridiculously simple, you might not even think of it? Uh, I'm not sure if uh, you can actually do the science experiments with the tantrum. Because, you know, oh, okay. sometimes. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that could be dangerous. Exactly, yeah. Mm. But if we're just going to general, just uh, some simple simple ideas of what, kind of what you can use for any experiment you want. If you want to come up with something quickly, what you need. And having baking soda and vinegar and some food coloring, uh, if you have those three ingredients, uh, you can come up with so many different variations how to make that in a fun activity. And my kids, whenever they see baking soda, they're always trying to mix it up and just, you know, add paint and everything. Because again, there are so many kind of different variations you, you can do. If you have that, uh, kids are going to be uh, happy for a while. And what I, the again, one of the longest, I wouldn't say that uh, they're going to work in tantrum, but one of some of the longest uh, activities, or even from young young age, is when you just have um, different glasses or bottles and different kind of liquids and different kind of uh, baking soda, sand, whatever, something else, and allow them to mix those kids are just going super crazy about that stuff, just mixing <laughs> colors, food, whatever. Just They're just happy to pour things around. Mm-hmm. It's getting messy at the end, but they're learning so much, uh, you know, uh, hand-eye coordination. And, you know, if you're talking about colors, you know, what colors you mix to get different colors and that some liquids don't mix, like oil and water, and they're learning so much. So just hang out lots of, glasses, bottles, lots of liquids and some kind of sand and supplies, basically whatever you have in the kitchen, something yeah. that you may be, uh, something that had been lying there around, maybe expired already. And you're saying, what do I do with that? Just give it to a kid. No, because if he, it's uh, he or she eats it, it's going to be safe, but <laughs> you know, you, you can't actually cook it. So yeah, just give it to a kid to mix and, and do some science. Now, do you have a favorite activity? Like, what is your, of everything you've done on the dad labs, what is your favorite thing that was the coolest? It's a difficult one because I have done so many. And usually the latest ones are the ones because they're fresh in the memory. But uh, whatever I try to come up with activity or, or to film, to share the activity, what I'm trying to do, I have this uh, extra agenda on top of all the other agendas I have. I try to make the activity fun, not just for kids, but for parents too. Because the idea is, you know, if parents want to try the activity, you know, he not pretend, oh, let's make that and let's see what happens. Uh, parents will say, okay, let's try it. Because, you know, I really want to know how this is, <laughs> this is going to work. Yeah. And the kids are going to uh, feel that, you know, excitement. And they're going to be excited about that stuff too. 
something that just came up and it wasn't like really recent, but something that I kind of I enjoyed myself quite well was the there is a theorem that basically you can cut any shape as long as it uh, it's made off of straight lines with one cut. Uh, the simple explanation would be uh, so basically you have a piece of paper. You can fold it this that way, so you, you just cut it once and you cut out, let's say, square, just square hole, mm-hmm. or just going further, maybe triangle, and it comes all the way to letter, some kind of letter. So in the videos I have done, I have done uh, triangle, square, and then I have done letter M, and it's just basically, basically by folding, doing one cut, and then you having like a plain piece of paper with this perfect hole in the middle, and it's just fantastic, and it's like very simple but actually it's quite interesting teaser to come up okay let's try another letter or another shape and see if it's gonna work so that, yeah that was a good one and how do you find with the experiments the replayability is so in other words you, sh- you do an experiment and then maybe two weeks from now you're like oh that, that worked really well the first time how does it play the second third fourth time okay so here's experiment what age should my kid be to do that kind of science experiment and i usually say okay if you have a baby just show them some magic show with science experiments if you have a toddler okay just uh, get him involved and ask him to push something you know just enjoy it a bit more if you have older kid maybe uh, explain more science behind it but if it if it goes like even older you can explain you know like atoms molecules you know just going like d- deep in chemistry chemistry so what i'm saying is that you can definitely repeat science experiments no problem uh, at every stage at every age child would get something new and yeah my boys love doing the same experiments so sometimes they just uh, i just show them something and they can do the same experiment like for a week because they just love it so much they're just doing it again and again Mm-hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have to get your book and I'm I, I'm actually going to get it right after this interview. So I don't have it yet. But is it basically like a curation of all your greatest hits put into one book? Yeah, more or less. So the thing is, again, it's coming back to the same opportunities coming from all over the place. There was I got an email saying, like, OK, Sergey, you can you can write a book. And I'm saying I'm thinking me, author. No, and it's, it, uh, <laughs> no confidence. Yeah, yeah. and it took uh, the agents about like six months to convince me to actually do the book. Wow! So, because you know she's experienced and she knows that there is a book, so she convinced me. Yeah, I was thinking, what what can I do? And uh, the natural idea was to come up with like best activities they have done so far, and just on top of that, include some extra new ones, and that was basically the book. Yeah. And originally it was uh, published in UK. Then uh, it got trans- adapted to American market where I added extra 10 activities. So there are like, if you search for the Lab book, you'll find one with 40 activities, one with 50 activities. The, the 41 is like British edition and right. 50 is okay. American edition. So Sergey, if people that are listening, um, people that are following us want to check out your book, if they want to find you and find these activities online where where can they buy your book and and where can they find the dad lab activities yeah that's simple the dad lab (laughs) if you just google it i mean i'm on youtube Uh, i guess youtube is the easiest platform to get very specific ideas that you want Mm -hmm. if you just want uh, daily uh inspiration you can uh, follow me on facebook or instagram 
but if you if you need a book just search uh, at your local bookstore or i mean people in publishing don't really like other authors saying buying on amazon but this is like one of the most convincing ways to where you can get the book so yeah amazon or any other uh stores i mean one uh, when i was doing the promotion for my book i was uh lucky enough to go to one small bookstores bookshops in uh, new york uh one in manhattan one in uh, brooklyn and i was just doing little shows there so that was a good experience something that i couldn't probably done just at amazon right like yeah. but yeah it's tough right now I'm, I'm assuming in london it's under lockdown right so even going to a bookstore might be hazardous for a lot of people i know in canada that's not even an option right now or where we're no it, yeah it's not an option right here so yeah we we're just buying everything online not leaving house unless we're going to get some food and we don't actually going to get to get some food we're basically getting mm. everything delivered so the only time we're actually getting out is to our daily walks uh, or bike rides. So this is what we do because, you know, we need to get out. Uh, and the thing is, if first of all, it's, if you don't get out, it changes, you know, changes the, the atmosphere and you're just trying to get lazy. You don't want to go anywhere. So now I have this new trick that I, I haven't shared with my followers yet, but I'm planning to. So something that I... I guess in collaboration with my wife, I come up with. So, and the idea is quite simple. So, if you want your, uh, if you're allowed to go once a day outside in your country, in whatever lockdown you have uh, for exercise, and your kid, you know, spending the whole day at home doesn't want to go, especially if it's cold as it is here now. Uh, so, the, the solution is get any toy, and I have covered with like lots of toys, new toy that have a lot of different pieces in that. It could be a puzzle. In my case, it was a little, I'm not sure how to call it, a little thing of the body with lots of organs uh, that you can oh, actually get out and put in. That's cool. Well, it sounds like the game operation almost. Yeah. Like, But yeah, just like a model, I guess, right? Of a, of a body. Body with organs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bodies with organs, but it's quite small. Mm-hmm. So what happened was, I, I, I said to my kids, okay, I have this amazing treasure hunt and we have to go. And, and we started with me secretly hiding the thing in my pocket. But what I have done, I basically, the first package, it works that way. The first package is like just a box and just empty body. So if, if you're having a puzzle, it's probably box for a box for a puzzle, maybe a couple of pieces to start playing with. And then so after we went to trip, the child found it. He was really happy because it's a toy. And kids, they sometimes they want a toy not just because they need a toy. They want a toy because they want something new and exciting. Mm-hmm. And if it's just part of the toy, they're still happy because they found something mm-hmm. new. So we got that. And next day I say, okay, I got the same kind of information that there is like one organ, in our case, one organ <laughs> is lying around in a park right here, just 15 minutes uh, biking. <laughs> exactly. So this daily treasure hunt to collect this, put all the organs back into the body uh, works wonders. Yeah. So if you have a puzzle. Or Google organ buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Or Google organ, just plastic <laughs> organ. <laughs> 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 yeah, it just works wonder- wonderful. Uh, the only problem is that every time when I leave the house, I have to come up with where we're actually going to go and I have to come up with the clues. Yeah. And they usually say that clues come step by step because I'm just saying, first I say, okay, we just have to go to the park. 
then come to the park, I'm thinking, okay, where can I actually hide it? Because it's in my pocket. So I have yeah. to kind of hide it while child is still kind of looking for it. Mm-hmm. So I have to say something not very specific. So he would go to looking for for one place. And at the same time, I'm just going to drop it to another place. Because the thing is, and it's actually wet. Uh, so we have to make sure that it's packed well. Or yeah. it's, so there are a lot of actually drops happening there. But it's, it's still exciting, uh, even, even for me, doing the secret work. I'm still not sure how my kids haven't figured out that it's actually I'm who is doing it. <laughs> You're a sneaky man, Sergey. Like the Easter Bunny. Yeah. Yeah, because if they realize that, what would happen? They would say, "I'm not gonna go anywhere." Dad just give it, give this organ to me. I'm not gonna go anywhere. <laughs> but I'm saying someone else is doing, it and they have to go. Right. No, yeah, that's very actually, tricky. Yeah. Yeah, but that's actually a genius and idea, and I like the idea of using an, a body with organs in it because then they get to learn about you know the human systems and things like that, as well as having this great outdoor activity. So that's actually a genius. See, even when you're not like. You just, I wish I was so creative. Honestly, it, that would take me a year to come up with embarrassingly. But Sergey, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. We really learned a lot. And I know that our listeners will too. And we really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your week. Dziękuję. I don't know if it's the same as in Russian as it is in Polish. But thank you. And everyone, follow the Dad Lab right now. Oh, yeah. if, especially we have a lot of Canadian listeners. It's needed more than ever. People uh, like Sergey. Sergey's book where he's got basically mm-hmm. it's a greatest hits collection of what he does. And we'll do a swipe up uh, to your book. If you could email me a link when this is all done, I'll make sure to put that up on our, our site once uh, this is published. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, it was really lovely talking to you. Because, you know, in a lo- lockdown, it's, you know, it's precious to have some kind of communication. <laughs> true. No. We only talk to each other. We're getting tired of it. <laughs> yeah, especially today was very annoying, but I'm glad to see you. And uh, you have a great day. Bye, Sergey. Or great yeah, night okay. where you're at. Thank Take you. care, Sergey. Bye. Yeah, thank you. Bye. <sighs> Sergey, there you go. Sorry about the uh, the body thing. <laughs> Or buddy thing. I thought you were saying buddy, not buddy. No, that was an awesome interview. And I think Sergey is such an interesting guy. And I really love that he has started this page because it is so helpful. And there are great ideas. He's just a one-man wrecking crew. I know. And I know his kids are a little bit older. They're actually 30 and 32, <laughs> which which is old to be doing these. Get out of here. Yep. But now, Alex, it is time for my favorite segment. It's the segment where you do all the work. We get listener questions. We call it the mailbag segment. You answer the questions. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the question is. I give my two cents, and everyone walks away a better person for it. So let's get started. Our first question tonight is pretty interesting. So the question is, is it inappropriate for a dad to take a daughter into male change rooms? This made news recently in Australia. A dad got changed with a six-year-old daughter and other men in the room felt uncomfortable. So there's a lot, I think, going on there. Personally, I think that in this situation, whether it's a mom with a six-year-old son, because six is kind of getting up there, or a dad with a six-year-old daughter, just don't take them into those change rooms, I think. Uh, I'd use the family change room. And I can't imagine how scary it must be to be a little girl or a little boy, a little kid, to be surrounded by a bunch of naked strangers anyways. That must just feel weird. It so must... is it strange if you go in the same change room? No. I, like, with... I mean, let's say it was a little boy, not a little girl. Okay, so I found a conversation with Stacy Honowitz. She's the author of the book, Genius with a Penis, don't touch that's my biography actually she was the no okay sorry 
continue. She's a supervisor of the Sex Crimes and Child Abuse Unit for the Florida State Attorney's Office. So she had some really good insight. She said that when you boil it down, it's really just a discussion about body parts. And she's approaching it from, you know, children in same-sex change rooms. So she is saying, you know, don't bring children, especially at that age, in opposite-sex change rooms. But for children in same-sex change rooms even, this needs to be more of a conversation than it often is. So when you boil it down, it's really just a discussion about body parts. It comes down to logic and common sense. It's when you hide it, when you shelter your kids from these things, they become unaware and then that's when you run into problems, when they don't have the language or the knowledge to kind of bring things up to you and tell you that they're uncomfortable with something. So these conversations, as you and I have talked about before, need to start with talks about body parts and using the proper language. So not euphemisms, not calling, you know, your penis or vagina, vulva, whatever, cutesy language. Exactly. And then you want to layer these conversations as your kids get older and they become more understanding of things. The next thing that should come up in conversation is consent. So that their private parts are theirs and theirs alone. And that nobody should ever make them feel comfortable, you know, with staring. Nobody should try to touch them and nobody should make comments about them. Especially when they're in these, you know, these change rooms where they will see other people of their same sex and possible you know different states of undress i guess so if somebody does make them feel uncomfortable even in the very least that's when they need to report it to their parent to another adult if their parent isn't there but they need to feel comfortable with with doing that mm-hmm. of course but but just as far as the issue of should they be in opposite sex change rooms i guess no. definitively the experts would say no no all right no. case closed yeah so again before you do these things and even if you're just taking your same sex kid into you know, their corresponding change room, you have to tell them what to expect. It's a place for changing and they might see people that are nude. If you're not comfortable with that, don't get changed there. Get your kid changed in a bathroom or in a family change room. And I actually think when I was reading up on this, a lot of places are starting to, a lot of locker rooms are starting to change their rules and they don't want to make people feel uncomfortable if that's the case. And they're saying no total nudity. Yeah, I don't like total nudity. See, I I get total top nude in my change room. But again, that's legal in Ontario. And that's no different mm-hmm. from a guy taking off his shirt. So kids in family change rooms, ideally. Uh, and if not, big conversations need to be had. And have those conversations as they continue to grow. I appreciate the research. Thank you. So the next question. Do you ever doubt yourself as a parent? I'll start, I will say constantly. One thing that I told myself I would never do when I first had Lucy and she was like a tiny baby, I said I'd never let her watch TV. And we've talked about this before. And, you know, especially during quarantine and COVID and even before then, when I was just coming home and I had a hard day at work or I had a lot of homework to do, it was just an easy way to get myself an extra half hour, an extra hour. And I regret doing that every day as I do it. I like hate myself for it and I doubt whether I'm making the right decision. But you just have to make concessions. Another thing that I feel really guilty about and I'm constantly debating with myself is whether I made the right decision to take Lucy out of daycare last March and keep her out until now because of COVID. So all of our friends' kids are in daycares. Lucy is not. She's missing out on social interaction but with Alex any you're immunocompromised well, that, then you couldn't be around the child I, I know and so you're saying you wish you put your life I wish in- no I just wish that I tried harder to find a solution or something I guess but I I just feel like 
there's something more I can do there. I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel like I could have done more. But again, that's something I struggle with. But what about you? Uh, Yeah, I struggle with your parenting. Sometimes (laughs) you're rash no daycare decision no um no I think the no daycare is good if you weren't around it would make my life so much harder <laughs> I'd be like what do I do and and that's something I'm very unconfident in is food right. I, I don't know how much to feed the child because I'm relying on you so I feel justified in not knowing certain things because I have backup yeah so if you were to perish due to COVID or something for anything, heaven forbid, I would never want that to happen, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I would be, I wouldn't have the info. I would have Mm -hmm. to Google it or something. No. So that I'm not totally, if, if somebody who knew a lot about children's nutrition was around, I would start sweating a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's part and parcel with parenting though, is that you're going to have self-doubt and you are always going to be wondering if you're doing enough or doing the right thing. And honestly, I think having those feelings and wondering that is a sign that you're a good parent, Hmm. you know, so you care. But the next question, how do we feel about Gwyneth Paltrow selling a candle that smells like her vagina? It's sold out by the way. So I wasn't surprised to hear that Shane and I watched the Goop show, Goop Lab, and we really liked it. And I know that Gwyneth, you know, does things like this, odd things like this. So I looked up the vagina candle to see what it was all about. It was $75 US, first of all. And the candle included scent notes. So it smells like geranium citrusy bergamot cedar damask rose and ambrette seed that must be after a shower though well after a shower after it's it's definitely not after you know uh, i don't i don't want to say that sorry well probably but it says right on it too this candle smells like my vagina wow so how here's i want to ask you how do is you it feel? weird i'm willing to pay double for this <laughs> no but what do you think about gwyneth selling this candle and saying that her vagina smells so wonderful that she can sell it as a candle and people will enjoy having it in their houses. Is it a cocky move? Very cocky, no pun intended. Is it a... <laughs> who, who knows? Everyone has a different scent. I find that after I play basketball, I don't really smell that bad. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, vaginas do have, typically, a floral scent. Is it citrusy bergamot? I don't know how the citrusy bergamot's getting in there. That's uh, interesting to me. Maybe she uses lotions and things. You shouldn't put any lotions there. Maybe that can she really has screw with it. Vulva uh, approved lotions or something. It's possibly. She does sell a lot of. Sorry, what's the question again? How do we feel about her selling her vagina scent? You know, a lot of people say, know your worth. And then when people put a value on it, all of a sudden they're quick to criticize. So it's like, come on, women, let's support this person putting a value and saying, hey, I'm worth it. I'm getting behind that. I'm getting behind that answer. I like it. The next question. Are you the type of parent you thought you would be pre-kids? I think so. At least when the kids are young. Like I feel very much like the type of parent I thought I would be. I think the part that I'm not is that I thought I'd be more concerned with only home making them organic baby foods and being really particular about that. But then you actually have the kids, you live the parent life and everything's chaotic all the time. I don't have time to be making organic purees for Betty while I'm also cooking us dinner, cooking the baby dinner, working and all this. And Thank it's you just... for those chicken fingers, by the way. I forgot to... Uh... <laughs> 
I want to be appreciative. But you, I think you realize how impossible some things are. And, you know, depending on what your priorities are as a person, as a family, it's just some things are not going to happen. And I don't lament not being the parent that I thought I would be in those ways. Ooh, what about lament, you? Lament, Mrs. University degree. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I thought children were more like a Fabergé egg. <laughs> Delicate. Yes, I yeah. thought like, ooh, every fall is going to kill them. We're going to be so. I was way more concerned about them falling and narrowly going. Now I see they're borderline indestructible. <laughs> Obviously, that's hyper hyperbole, but I mean, Lucy has. She's so clumsy. Yeah, she's very clumsy. She falls and then she just gets up. She's like one of the Stooges, <laughs> curly. I would say, especially when she was younger, she was very bald. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, so not so delicate. Not delicate. Everything else, like my demeanor with them, the way I use adult language, not like, you know, rude stuff, but I speak to her like. Yeah. To try to teach her what a real words mean and not everything's poo poo caca. Oddly, poo poo caca is one of her favorite joking How things. How did she get into that joke? I don't know. I don't say poo poo or caca. I don't say caca. I, I say poo or poo poo but i've never said caca and she says it 50 million times a day is nona teaching her caca nona yeah nona does say caca a lot now (laughs) all right so the next question my partner and i don't agree on our will if the worst happens what should we do so obviously try to work it out between you i was reading on forums and they suggested that this can bring a lot of stress and a lot of strife to a relationship, to a marriage. So if you're not agreeing with your partner, and this is something, you know, that is pretty serious, get a mediator, get a therapist, get somebody to sit with you both and help you both see it from each other's perspective and then actually try to work towards something that will benefit your family best. Again, I'd hire this mediator. You don't want to get a friend or somebody in your family because then they will show bias. So hire a mediator if it's actually coming down to, you know, a serious problem can't even imagine having a disagreement over something like that so i'm sorry what ha- shane if we if we go tomorrow have we said this on the pod if we go tomorrow where do the kids go if we go tomorrow yeah i have it in my will they go straight to chuck e cheese have a f- <laughs> have a fun day you know let this you know mom and dad just kick the bucket like let's try to they have, some, a party. have some pizza if it's summertime they can go to canada's wonderland depending on how old they are even if they're younger there are, are some splash works well now things. i'm interested do we have the same idea of who would take care of them if we if we died yeah my sister tiffany no, of course not. <laughs> Tiffany's someone who doesn't want children. This is my sister. She's very responsible, but I don't think she would mm. want to, nor do I think she'd be up to, for it. To uh, I don't think she could do it. Yeah. Okay. No, it, it would be tough. It would be tough. Okay. So, like, is it just one person we're saying? Yeah. Like, who would be the the main home? Well, the main home for size, there's only one option. would be your parents. Yeah. Just, I think, for size and for... All of that, like, it's, but Nona would share custody with. Well, them. That's, well, that's the thing. It, she'd be able to visit, like, she'd visit, like she does with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. So things like that wouldn't change. But I think the main caregivers would. We'd have to put them on our will as my parents, yeah. just age wise too, and everything. You know. Yeah. Uh, all right. So no mediator for us. We're good. I guess not. Do you guys not? I don't know. <laughs> you say my parents are old. <laughs> You know I take offense to that. Get out of here. Do we need a mediator for our will or not? My dad's ticker is beaten like you wouldn't believe. Okay, next question. (laughs) 
Have you ever not shared anything in fear of mom shaming? And we'll say dad shaming on your end, Shane. So this one, for some reason, is confusing me. Explain it to me. Have you ever not shared anything publicly about you or your kids in fear of mom shaming? Oh, for some reason, I'm so hungry right now for some reason that I'm just thinking of food <laughs> and being like, oh, don't don't share that. OK, ne- sorry. I'm. Um, <laughs> I was only thinking of actually sharing things. Okay. You Will mean you like share s- popcorn with me after this podcast? I don't know if I'm in a popcorn mood. But okay, let's stick to the question here. Okay. So I will say yes, definitely. And I think one of the things I'm always the most hesitant to share, and it sounds silly, but if I'm taking Betty for a walk or something in, in a stroller and she's sitting in her car seat because her car seat is a removable device, right? And I put it in the stroller, then in the car. But when we're strolling around, I loosen it up and I get a blanket in there and I just get her really comfortable. But if I was to take a picture of Betty in that and, you know, the buckle is pushed down a little bit and it's a little loose, I'd get so much crap from people online telling me that it was unsafe things like that and then you know it's just not worth the discussions that I'd have to have with so many people telling me that it's unsafe and it's like yeah but we're not actually in the car we're outside of the car we're walking and it's just things like that become it's just tough what what about you yeah my friend told me a long time ago that the internet is no place to be yourself and I totally (laughs) agree with that it's like grandma behavior it's like we're not putting our arguments online either Mm -hmm. because we don't why would you we don't want to present anything that could be construed as us being bad parents Mm -hmm. and i think car seats or anything even filming in a car if if i was filming in a car even if i wasn't driving people would say oh like your distraction or something like that don't don't do that while you're driving so i try to rock the boat as little as possible Mm -hmm. and even then you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm being risky. Yeah, no, it's you're always going to hear something, I think. And especially if you are living, you know, publicly on the Internet, it's it's inevitable. Yeah. Even putting a child on the Internet, you're opening yourself mm-hmm. up for criticism. Yeah. So absolutely. even that step, that's enough for me. Yeah. All right. So the next question, do the kids like having a cat and what's the best time to get a family pet? I say never. I don't, I don't. The kids are enough, you know. I, if you don't have kids, I say, hey, get the pet. This is just my opinion, obviously. But I do not like a pet with the kids. Vacations become so such a burden. I'm thinking about that. The dog is the, where do we put it in the kennel? Is that is the dog going to have fun there? Is that right? Do we give it to the babysitter? Is the babysitter or the doggy sitter <laughs> looking after the dog correctly? All the backyard, which we have a nice backyard for children to play in. Then all of a sudden you get a dog. It's littered with doggy poop. Yeah. That's, like, you, know, you know what? That For me right now, I am so uninterested in getting a dog for that reason because the kids, I want them to be able to play back there. I don't want them to step in dog crap. And right now, I love cats because especially if you don't get a cat with super long hair, they're pretty self-sufficient. It's pretty easy. But And we don't, we don't our cat, we only have it because we, it was, we I, inherited it. Yes, from my grandmother. Your grandmother passed. Yeah. We inherited the cat. It's the best cat in the world. But I do not want another one for the, I don't want kitty litter all over my office floor. Mm-hmm. And this cat can't help spreading it all over my floor see i wonder if we had another cat 
if we'd be able to train them to not do that, I don't really know. I know people do it in a better way, but for Wait. some reason, Daisy like shakes her legs when she gets out of the kitty litter thing and just like shakes the kitty litter all over the place. We made a deal, no pets. Okay, so if you do want pets, the best time to get them according to Baby Center is when your kid is around three because kids up until that age and, you know, beyond even are enough of a responsibility and enough chaos and then adding a pet that you need to train that you need to get used to your house and your kids and your family and take care of it's just too much on parents so if you do want a family pet again probably best to do so at or after the age of three yeah to me nothing's worth it but continue <laughs> i love having a cat i love and having. i a pet. love animals i love i'm like that you know how there's people who are like oh, i wouldn't want kids but i'd love to be the uncle yeah i'm like that with pets if i see a dog on the street in pre-covid times i'm petting that thing good boy if i go to a party and they have a dog there i'm hanging with that dog like all night mm -hmm. that's how strange it is the way i no, feel i get it i get okay, it okay sorry okay so the next question do you have to be cautious about what you share online as a teacher i'm gonna say no because i'm not a teacher <laughs> what about you so my short answer is absolutely but you have to be aware of your conduct at all times, generally speaking. So I'd say, though, that this goes for anybody in, you know, that's a professional. Any professional should kind of abide by that. That being said, I do have a problem with how role models are viewed because we put people on pedestals, specifically in certain professions like teachers, doctors, lawyers, nurses. So I think it should come down to whether you're a force of good or a force of evil. And evil is like... A very strong word I don't mean evil in you know the Jeffrey Dahmer sense but you know what I mean so for me I love teaching so much so that I've been doing it on both maternity leaves like I've turned my maternity leaves into half work leaves where I am finding so much joy in talking to other women and mothers and teaching them what I know sharing my experiences about family family life pregnancy having kids marriage it gives me a lot of inspiration and I like to use experiences from my own life, which might not be traditional for a teacher, but I'm very open with certain things that I feel so strongly about, like destigmatizing public breastfeeding and maintaining a strong connection with your partner because that's the foundation of a happy family. So I'm not teaching kids right now. I'm essentially teaching other adults. So I'm writing and using humor that appeals to that crowd in particular. And that experience has undoubtedly helped me hone my skills as a teacher and it's made me better all the time. So now I feel that when I do go back to teaching what I do teach, I'm just going to be so much more adept and able to, you know, reach different types of people. So I do think that people should be careful in that they should always be a force of good and try to model that behavior. But I do think that teachers, doctors, whatever other professionals that are put on pedestals should also be entitled to their own personalities, their own joys, and should be able to share their experiences with others, especially when it can help somebody else. The reason that I feel confident in sharing my experiences and, you know, talking about family life, about marriage, is because I want to model for my students. I want to model for my kids. For you want to model for your students, Alex? <laughs> I want to model for I know what you mean. students. I'm I want to model for Lucy and Betty. What a relationship! Saying, see, yeah. What a relationship can look like, and that there can be arguments, and that you know you can resolve these things, and that you should love each other, that you should do all these things, and how important it is because that, some kids don't have that at home. 
True. So the final question, what is your pizza dip slash hot sauce game lately? And are you still seeking out that Papa John's garlic? I am seeking out that Papa John's garlic. I love that Papa John's sauce. It's probably the best dipping sauce in the world. I also love a ranch type... I don't like a traditional creamy ranch. I like a lighter ranch, almost like a dill pizza mm. dip. And you like a marinara too. I, yeah, marinara. I wouldn't. I don't know if that's really in the dip traditional dip family, but yeah, I love a marinara. It's pretty much just more pizza sauce that's cold. And uh, my pie in Hamilton has a great ranch dip. And then when it comes to hot sauce, tapatio is the Isn't best. Is that tapatio? Tapatio, I think. Like okay. Tio, like uncle. Let me let me double check because I want to well, I've been right. saying Tapatio. So yeah, I think Tapatio is the best hot sauce that's going. But we can't get our hands on it. Is it Tapatio or Tapatio? Tapatio. Huh. So that's actually what they call people from Guadalajara in Mexico. Uh where where the founders are from. But Tapatio and we are on the Cholula in the meantime. Yes. But that's that. And I like a garlic dipping sauce for my pizza. Although the one I had last night for pizza night was too garlicky. And Shane wouldn't kiss me before bed. It was just, and that was after (laughs) you brushed your teeth. Something was wrong. Oh, Shane, I just like, my pizza was swimming in that garlic sauce. And it is so garlicky. I find garlic really sticks to your lungs and cheeks and It does. It's the stomach. It's in the stomach, right? So that's why you have to eat parsley after you eat something garlicky. But before we leave, I promised everyone I would read my favorite comment from the Apple review section. Okay, so this one says, worth a listen. Well, that doesn't seem that positive, but <laughs> it, it gets better. It says, Alex and Shane cover a variety of topics, drink the coolest cocktails, and have the best back-and-forth banter. This podcast is great company on a long walk during a very great time of year. Love that comment. Appreciate that comment. And also, the, the other week, I was talking about a comment. And the person went back and revised it. And I, I hope that person, if they're listening, doesn't think we were making fun of them. Yeah, they, they just, they revised the episode number because they got the episode wrong. Mm-hmm. So they changed that and Shane They added the word like, also oh, to it. I, I hope that I didn't make them feel bad because of that. Yeah, because sometimes my humor can be misconstrued as being making fun. And I was just having fun. And uh, it's a fine line. But anyway, <laughs> we appreciate each and every one of you. So thank you so much for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 72.